And now, introducing out of Perry Hall High School, standing five foot eight inches tall, weighing in at 177 pounds, soaking wet. He's the surveyor of Mr. Mayor, the Asol of Mrs. Maisel, the Ayatollah of Bob Hart's Abishola. He is Len Clark. Good morning. It is, <clears throat> oh man, this is my favorite time of the year. It's the uh, seasons change, season allergies kick in. Love that. Spent the uh, first 15 minutes this morning. Clearing out my throat of all the phlegm. That was a really pleasant way. I, I, I'm sure you guys wanted to hear about that, too. It was a really pleasant way to begin the day. Ugh! But hi. Good morning. It's Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Paul. Lots to do, obviously. Lots to talk about. Um, coming up on the program today, we will chat with um, Mike Nolan, of course, Ravens radio analyst former defensive coordinator and NFL head coach. He actually was with Marcus Williams for a little while down in New Orleans. So we'll talk to him about that, the moves the Ravens have made and what still might be ahead for them. Also coming up, Charles Davis from the NFL Network. We'll talk to him a little bit about free agency, also far more about the NFL draft. Um, what else is coming up this morning? We are going to chat with uh, Antoine White. He is the women's basketball coach at Mount St. Mary's. They won the NEC tournament. They're in the NCAA tournament. they got to play Longwood in the first four tomorrow night. And later on in the program, Drew Forrester. Drew's morning dish will check in with us, play a little Would You Rather Wednesday. Those scenarios for Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill are up right now at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Check them out there and play along. Somebody's going to win a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. Know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. All right, so much has uh, <coughs> occurred. God, it's always so pleasant whenever I go through this. Seasonal effing allergies. Um, much has occurred since the last time we spoke. And, of course, the last time we spoke, we were lamenting the fact that, hey, the Ravens never do anything. On the first day of free agency, and technically that was true. For the first 24 hours, the Ravens did absolutely nothing, and then all of a sudden, they did everything. They did it all. They did it all for the nookie. The nookie. So you could take your cookie. Marcus Williams, stick that up your yeah. Morgan Moses, stick that up your yeah. Um, you know, there's not a lot for me to say about either one. E either move in a vacuum I, I like. I mean, what's not to like? You got a good football player in Marcus Williams that specifically does some things that um, you need, that you've been lacking in your secondary when it comes to actual playmaking. I think one of the biggest issues the Ravens have dealt with defensively is the lack of creating turnovers, the lack of really big plays. That, to me, has been quite noteworthy. Does Marcus Williams alone make this a top-notch defense? No. Certainly makes it a very quality secondary, but we kind of thought they were going to have a quality secondary no matter what, as long as they had their guys back. They were supposed to have a quality secondary a year ago. They just didn't have Marcus Peters out on the field and you know Marlon Humphrey struggled. Part of that is Marlon Humphrey's got to get back to being Marlon Humphrey, right? They're going to have this top-notch secondary. The Ravens believe in building through the secondary in order to make their defense. And analytically, there is reason to say that they're doing that the right way. I've discussed this a million times. We can say that all we want, and I don't doubt that it's true. But ultimately, the way that defense shapes up for me in the NFL 
is you can have a quality defense, but at the end of the day, you're going to need plays to be made. And the most likely place for those plays to be made will be up front and disrupting a quarterback. As we know, the most important play the Ravens made defensively a year ago was from Adafi Owe. The, the most likely scenario for where defense is going to win you games slash championships continues to be end-of-game situations and do you have someone who can ruin what a team wants to do when they've got four downs to go beat you. And I, I like Marcus Williams, and the answer is could he help in that way? Maybe. It might very well be that Marcus Williams, because he plays the ball so well, can either get an interception or deflect a ball that turns into an interception or something along those lines. But when it comes to those situations, sacks continue to be more valuable than incomplete passes because you got four plays to try to co-convert 10 yards, and an incomplete pass just isn't the end of the world. A sack that backs you up and makes it third and 20 instead of third and 10, that changes everything. So I understand why the Ravens continue to build through the secondary. And again, in a vacuum, I like Marcus Williams a great deal. I think their defense can be better because they've got Marcus Williams. But I'll maintain that myself, personally, Glenn Clark, I would prioritize having big-time playmakers up front. Disruptive guys who can impact and get quarterbacks on the ground. And I know that the idea can be, hey, if we've got tight coverage, that allows our guys more time to make plays in the backfield. And that might prove to be true. Possibly might prove to be true. We don't know. I can't see the future. But overwhelmingly... In recent years, the most significant moments defensively have come at the end of games when you have someone up front who can disrupt and change the course of a game. I know Adafi Owe wasn't making a play on a quarterback. He was making a play on a running back, but you get the point. It's the guys that can make the plays in the backfield. That, to me, changes a football game. Now, I hope that Marcus Williams is so good and their secondary is so good that they have plenty of time and Adafi Owe takes another step forward. Tyus Bowser comes back healthy and looks to be the guy that we saw him a year ago, saw from him a year ago, and frankly the Ravens probably still have something else to do up front, whether that's an edge rusher or whether that's a defensive lineman like a Jordan Davis in the draft. I hope there's still one more impact player coming this year and I know there are still guys that are available. We'll still talk about Zadarius Smith. We'll still talk about some of the other guys that are out there. I hope the Ravens still have something coming in that way. Because it's, the only, it's literally the only thing I can say that is anything other than, yeah, this is, this is great. I love this. The only other thing I can say is I'm still very concerned about their front seven. Very concerned. I mean, like, Really, really concerned. I, I, I don't think. I mean, they don't. They don't have anything on the defensive line right now. They've got Justin Matabuike, who I like, nice player. But what else? I hope that there is still more to come for the front seven because it concerns me a great deal as far as the Ravens having an, and as much 
as much as I like the idea of having a Marcus Williams, a really good football player. And I love the idea of the Ravens being willing to spend money on a really good football player in free agency. I mean, you got to pay top dollar. We can All the bits we're trying to do on the internet were like, oh, they got him for a steal. They got him for a bargain. You got to get a hold of yourselves. I get it. We're all obsessed with the fact that we want the Ravens to be better than everybody else. The idea that there were three other teams that were willing to pay Marcus Williams more money than what the Ravens got him for is not true. Now, there have been reports there were other teams that might have been willing to pay Marcus Williams about what the Ravens gave him, but the Ravens got him for what his market value was. No matter what you read on Track or on whatever other website that you like, Pro Football Focus or whatever other website you like to go to where they predicted he would get more money than that. It's nonsense. It means nothing. It is of no value and only makes you dumber when you think that that's some sort of biblical thing. The Ravens got him for what his market value was. But I'm glad they were willing to pay that. I like the idea of the Ravens being aggressive to go get a football player that's going to help this team. I love that. I love the idea that they don't just hide behind the idea of, well, this isn't how the Ravens do business. We're not going to be this team. We'll let everybody else go do that, and we'll continue to trust our drafts, and we'll continue to trust our development, and we'll continue to trust the things that we do, and we're not going to worry about the first couple days of free agency. I love the idea that the Ravens prioritize going and getting a really good football player and a player that they wanted. I just still have concerns about their front seven. That's it. Now, they got plenty of time. I get it. They're not playing a game tomorrow. Although I would love it if they – oh, no, no, we got basketball for a couple days. I'd like it if they were playing a game next Monday. That would be a good day for them to play a game because I, uh, I could use some more of that. Well, they also got a couple of comp picks yesterday, right? Well, they, but we knew they that were, was coming. We knew that was coming, yeah. but they have a ton of picks to make, to make some moves. Yeah, but, I mean, they'll do it. They're not finding a guy in the third round that I'm – or in the, even in the – I guess they get one more third round, one more fourth round. We, and again, they're not finding a guy there that I'm expecting to be an impact player Fair in enough. week one of the NFL season. If, if you're finding that guy, it's either got to be very early on in the draft. And I get it. There's, there's a one in a thousand chance that you can find that guy, and, and not by week one, but you can find somebody in the third or fourth round that by like week six is a legitimate impact player. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not impossible. It's just very unlikely. Yeah. Um, you find that guy either in the first round of the draft or you find that guy out still on the free agent market. And you say, hey, at this point, we've already signed two guys. Let's keep going. You know what are we what are we waiting for? What are we doing? The the compensatory picks be damned. Let's let's go make this happen and fill all of the the holes that we have and go that route. Um, Morgan Moses, I like Morgan Moses. He's a solid player. Let's not oversell it. Let's not pretend like he's Jonathan Ogden, but he's a solid player that's held up well. That absolutely is a better idea than Alejandro Villanueva ever was. Morgan Moses has been a guy that has done his job for the most part. He's not dominant. He's not overwhelming. But he's done his job. He's been solid. He's been someone that, you know, is going to give up a play or two. He's not going to win every matchup. He's not going to – that's not who he is. But he's held his own. And with the Ravens needing something 
at the tackle position, and we don't know what that is. We don't know if it's going to be that they need a left tackle or they're going to need a right tackle or what it is they're going to, or they're going to need a swing tackle because they have so much unknown in the group of Ronnie Stanley and Jawan James and you know, even if you want to throw Patrick McCarry in the unknown because you don't know if you're going to need to ask him to play center again, there's so much unknown at the tackle position that there is so much good that you can get from signing Morgan Moses to a three-year, $15 million deal. You can comfortably believe that he can be a right tackle and you can do worse in an emergency situation if you need him to be your left tackle. He checks a lot of boxes. It's just so logical is the word that I keep coming back to. There's danger in overselling it. There's danger in pretending like Morgan Moses is an all-pro or is like a tremendously great player. But he's really solid. And given what their weird situation is, it's a massive thumbs up. This is exactly what they needed to do. They weren't going to be able to find a guy or it was not practical for them to spend massive money to find a left tackle in this market because they think they've got their left tackle. They paid their left tackle a lot of money. They needed to find someone who was a unique fit. The Villanueva thing never made sense from the get-go. I don't want to keep going back to it, but just for comparison's sake, because... He wasn't any good at left tackle anymore, and he had literally never played right tackle. There was no reason to think that he could help you in any capacity. He wasn't a good idea as a backup plan at left tackle, and there was just no evidence to say that they knew that he could play right tackle. Morgan Moses is a really good right tackle who's held his own when he's had to play left tackle. I say really good. Again, I want to to be careful about that. He's not an all-pro caliber right tackle, but he's a very solid right tackle. Good enough to start every game. Correct. And somebody would point out, for bad teams. He's been on bad teams, yeah. right? But he's, he's played well. <clears throat> he's not been their problem. I'll take that, because I don't know how this is all going to flush out. I really... I, this is so confusing where the Ravens find themselves, offensive tackle-wise. Because they have so many darts that they're throwing here. I don't know how it plays out for them. But they need to have backup plan to your backup plan to backup your backup plan. And Morgan Moses provides that. It's just so smart. It's so logical signing Morgan Moses. Big thumbs up. Again, keeping that within reason that I'm not trying to pretend like he's Ronnie Stanley or that he's Orlando Brown, but he's a solid pickup and makes a lot of sense. Two good moves in a vacuum for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, what else can they do? We'll find out. There's a lot of money that's already been spent. They don't have a deal with Lamar Jackson. They might have to create some more money somewhere. And presumably they'll be working on that in the next couple of days. I have no doubt that when you see Eric DaCosta swinging Pat Moriarty around, he knows that Pat Moriarty's working on those things. They got work to do. And I assume they'll be doing that over the course of the next week. The other news this morning, oh man, before we get to our first guest today, 
course, is um, Adley Rutschman. It's bad news, and it's only bad news in the context of, well, I, I say, if it's just this, it's only bad news in the context of opening day. Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun among those reporting that Brandon Hyde said that he will miss two to three weeks with a tricep strain. And at this point, not only would you sort of like cancel out opening day, but this is a, a plenty good excuse for them to say, there's no reason for us to stick him out there until the service time thing is up. And, and we can be mad about that, but it's almost illogical to do otherwise. If somebody's going to be out for a few weeks, and now you're really talking about potentially a difference of like one, maybe, maybe 10 games, something along those lines... I know that there can be a reward, but I, I think in somebody, the more that we've dug on this, I had somebody reach out to me and say that like the compensation for the Orioles might actually just be like an international draft pick, and we don't even know what the international draft is. If yet. there's even going to be one. I mean, like, I, in, until I know, unless it has been drawn out what the compensation would be. And I also don't know how the injury impacts this, because I believe the wording of the compensation was that they would be on the opening day roster. Well, if someone's on the DL, does that put them on the opening day roster or not? No. So is that over then? If it's just over, I would think that there would have to be some sort of unique situation here where if somebody is legitimately on the injured list, but you could have put them on the opening day roster anyway. Well, when you put somebody on the injured list you create a, a roster space. I, I understand, but so this, it, is, this is about the manipulation thing. Putting him on the... If he's legitimately injured, mm -hmm. that's not a manipulation no. situation. So I don't... Th this, again, goes back to the lack of knowledge of how this whole thing works, and the Orioles are going to have to dig into that. If the difference... So opening day is the 7th, right? Do I have my math? Or is that so... For the Orioles, it's the 8th. It's the 8th, right? So they're on the road. So I, I guess... It never would have made sense for him to be playing that first weekend. I didn't even do the math on this. It never really made sense for him to play that first weekend. You kind of want his first game to be at home. Um, so let's just say we're talking about the difference in he could be available to play on, on the Orioles' true opening day, on, opening, on April 11th. Or you could wait and get to what would the date be then? The 26th? Is that the date? Yeah. That it, well, no. well, no, it's 15 days, so it would be the 23rd. 15 days from right. opening day. So be the 23rd in order to, to get past well, the service time thing. Technically, since the bulk of the major league season starts on the 7th, I think it would be the 27th. Because it's about days. It's not yeah, about about days games. of the season. Yeah. Right. So you're talking about the difference in a week and a half, mm -hmm. right, in something like this. But I, I'll go back to if he – let's just say he's out and literally could not play. It, it seems as simple as this. You put him on a um, – you, you put him on the IL, and then you have him do a rehab assignment to start the season. And I guess I would need to know what that means. Does a rehab assignment officially count as service time or not? I don't think so. I wouldn't uh, think so. I but, think if you're just not on the roster. But we know that a rehab assignment is different than being on assigned to a team. Right. You are a major leaguer when you're serving a rehab assignment. It can be designated that I way. Mean, i, I got to be honest. I'm sorry. I just don't know. I don't know how all this impacts it. I, I'll go back to broadly. I think this means Adley Rutschman isn't going to be on the roster on opening day. But, you know, I, I guess I still don't know that. 
I guess I still don't know that. And we have to get some of the details as to how this compensation thing actually works, what the actual value is it of it is, when he would actually be able to play. If it's two weeks, then you know he would be able to play on opening day. Even technically three weeks would be right at about the the stretch of opening day. I'm just imagining they probably wouldn't want him to play in the major leagues without having done anything game-wise before that. It's just my guess. My guess is they would say as an organization, look, it, service time manipulation be damned. We don't really want someone's first baseball action of the season to be a major league baseball game when they've never played in the major leagues before. We would prefer, even if we're not trying to be cute and creative with, with service time manipulation, we would just prefer that someone go get some game action somewhere before we have them play ma- in a Major League Baseball game. Now, and I don't think they're going to do this, but maybe they could put him on the opening day roster and then IL him retroactive to a certain in, date. In order to get the credit for and then this draft pick compensation yeah. thing. I don't, I don't know that they would do that, but it's something they could do. And the IL actually... Oh boy, I, you know what? I, I need somebody. I need somebody above my pay grade in order to, to sort all this out. I need somebody smarter than me to sort all those things out. All right, today's show is also brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Always love catching up with our next guest, and uh, he knows a thing or two about one of the new Baltimore Ravens. Of course, you hear him as part of the Ravens radio broadcast team. He is a former Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator, former NFL head coach. He's our friend Mike Nolan, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to chat with you as always. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Hey, Coach, can you hear me? I can hear. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you now. Thank you as always for taking the time. Really appreciate you doing it. Um, sure. Coach, you got to know Marcus Williams a little bit. I know he wasn't part of your group necessarily, but – you were down there in New Orleans with them. When you saw yesterday that the Ravens had been bold and gone out and, and done something they don't do a lot, which is spend big money at the start of free agency to land Marcus Williams, what was your immediate reaction to that? Uh, you know, I, they got a good player. Uh, that's, you know, that's the most important thing. I think that's the thing that fans want to know, you know, how good a guy did we get because they don't always get a chance to see him play. But they got a very good player. Um, the thing that I'm kind of excited about, not only for uh, the, the, you know, the, the Ravens, but also for Marcus is I think he'll make another step making this move from New Orleans. New Orleans is a very well-coached football team. They play a lot of scheme, which the Ravens are used to doing. And I think that he'll take another step in that because although they play a lot of scheme, they play it differently than the Ravens do. And I think Marcus has got the range and things to be, to be a little bit better than he actually is because of that range. You know, the, the Ravens have always been a disguised defense for the last 25 years and they do, uh, uh, you know, some amazing things with the safeties. Marcus has only done a little bit of that at the, uh, at the Saints. And I think he's, got, he's certainly got the ability to do all those things. So his game, I think, will go to another level being a Raven. Um, so I'm kind of excited for both, both Marcus as well as the Ravens. Mike, there was, a, there was something that was thrown around yesterday. And even the people that were saying it said, hey, look, I'm not trying to say that Marcus Williams is Ed Reed. So let's let's get that out of the way first because we can't compare anyone to Ed Reed. No. Ed Reed is Ed no, Reed. Don't, don't, that's unfair. Right. <laughs> but that I think the idea was the way he plays and what he's able to do versus the ball is akin to the style of football that Ed Reed played. It's just that Ed Reed was, of course, you know, perhaps the greatest to ever do that. 
as yeah. far as style alone, do you do you think that is a reasonable thing to say about Marcus Williams that he's the closest thing stylistically that the Ravens have seen to Ed Reed since the 2012 season? In the area of range and playing the safety position, and and in those in that area, I would say that's a comparison from the standpoint of some other things. Obviously. You know, Ed did so many things very right. well. I mean, he did it from the line of scrimmage. He did it from back in the middle of the field. He did it from all over the place. That's where I was saying earlier, I was kind of trying to allude to where Marcus, I think, if he, Marcus can do it from all over the field as Ray did, then you got a guy that's comparable. But as it is right now, I think the thing that you can compare is the range and the ability to get to the ball all over the field. But he's been doing it from pretty much a post position, meaning right in the middle of the field at about 10 to 15 yards deep. So they're, like I said, from that position, yes, it's comparable, but from doing it all over, which Ed did and which created the, the, you know, the, the quarterback's problems where where's Ed going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what he's got to, you know, if he steps up that part of his game, which I believe he will, cause he's got the ability to, um, then I think you'll be even more excited than you already are. Wow. Oh, that's, 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 that's significant. He is Mike Nolan. He's with us here on GCR. Coach, the, the only again, I, I like everything about you know the Ravens signing Marcus Williams. I, I I'm I'm high on it. The only thing I would say is that the Ravens have made this sort of dedication to building the defense through the secondary. And analytically, there are plenty of people that argue that's exactly what you should be doing in the NFL at this point. But it still feels to me like the biggest difference, given the way that rules work in the NFL and how much they benefit offense, that the biggest defense uh, difference defense can make is at the end of games having someone up front that can step in and wreck a play and get a quarterback on the ground and get a ball out and you know do what Adafi Owe did against the Chiefs a year ago or make disrupt that way the the idea the philosophy of building this way through the secondary and that continuing to be where they have invested is secondary 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 what do you make of that and do you have concerns at all about what it is that they have or don't have at this point up front defensively? Um, well, I would say philosophically, it all begins in the front. It always will start in the front. They don't call it secondary for a reason. I mean, or, or should say, you know, I mean it's called secondary, meaning it's secondary. The, the primary is in your front. And so you, you always want to do that. Although at this time of year, you know, sometimes the value that you get, the bang for your buck, is at another position that's still of need. And so that could very well have been it. I think if, if they were, I mean, my belief is that if they were just starting ground zero, they probably would start up front. But I think they got a very good player in Marcus Williams and somebody, like I said, that, that should take another step, you know, to get better. Sure. But, uh, but everyone, you do need some people up front. Like up front, if the guys up front do their job, they can stop the run and the pass. On the back end, you're a secondary run defender. So most of the time, anyhow, every now and then you're a primary guy, but most of the time you're a secondary guy. So it may not even get to you if your front's really good, which some defenses around the league, as you look, the teams that have great fronts, you know, the back end doesn't do a whole lot in the run game and they don't have to make a lot of tackles. So you, you want to, like I said, you want to start up front. And I think they'll continue to do that, whether it's in the draft or whether it's even in free agency. You know, the Ravens have always done a great job of landing, you know, a spot defensive lineman here and there that's, that's got a, you know, some gas in his tank still that'll do some things. And then along with it, they've done a great job drafting. So I think they'll, you know, it'll, I think it'll be a younger defense next year, but it will still be a very good defense. To your point, there's, I don't think there's any position on the field that I trust the Ravens to find someone that can be helpful even later in the draft 
than on the defensive line. I mean, this is, you know, obviously Haloti was an early pick, but in more recent years, Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce was undrafted. Like, they've, I, there is there is probably no position that I trust them and what they can do later than specifically along the defensive line. Yeah. Well, here's what I will add to that, though. When you look at Wolf, Williams, and Campbell, the three, you know, that, that they had hoped to start with the season mm-hmm. with last year, but they did not because Wolf was out. But, you know, all three of those players have leadership ability and they have a lot of pelts on the wall. That's the, to me, that's the hardest thing that they will try to replace is going to be the leadership of those three guys, in my opinion. They'll, they're going to find good players, and some of the backup guys are even good guys, good players. But from a leadership standpoint, guys that have been there, done it, that can show the young guys how to do it, that's really hard to replace. And I, you know, that doesn't mean you can't win without it, but it's if you look at the Ray Lewis and the Ed Reed and everybody else and the Suggs and everybody else that was on those great defenses for a long time, they were not only great players, they had great leadership ability. All right, there's no question about that. By the way, what should we know about Marcus Williams as far as that's concerned? Like, what, what kind of is, – is he a vocal guy? Is he someone that, that maybe wasn't necessarily, but as he, he gets a contract like this, you think he might be a little bit more of that type of player? Um, he's not uh, – he, he's definitely not the, the – look, you're talking about elite leaders in, in Ed Reed and Ray Lewis and the rest of those guys. But uh, he – I would say this. I would not describe him as a leader necessarily, but he's a very good team player. He's an excellent team player, and that's really important to the Ravens because that's what they – they've got very unselfish guys. I mean, they do a lot of things in that regard. So they're going to get a very unselfish player. They're going to get a guy with a lot of personality that will talk a lot, that the guys will really love to be around – He's all those things, but you know, from a leadership standpoint, he's just average. But again, I think Ravens are fair to guys with that. They don't try to expect guys to be something they're not, and I think that would be fair to Marcus. But they're going to get a very good team player, and that's extremely important. You know, not everybody's going to be a leader, and you need some great soldiers. And I think he's a hell of a soldier. What do you think of them adding Morgan Moses yesterday as well? Wow, I was unaware of that one. You know, being here in Denver, I didn't catch catch a load of that. Okay, yeah, they signed him for three years last. <laughs> I, have, I have nothing to say on that. Okay, I mean, I, I I think that we all know that they had a tackle issue, right? That um, given Ronnie Stanley's concern, you know, that 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 they needed to address it somehow and couldn't just go into the year saying, "Hey, let's hope for the best with Ronnie Stanley," and and everything works out. It it seems to me like adding a veteran tackle that you know has been pretty reliable during the course of his career for three years seems like a pretty logical move. Oh, that's a great move. I mean, it really is. That's a, that's a very good move because, again, they're going to do it some in the draft when that comes about. But for the time being, they're going to add good players that they think fit into the Raven way. You know, you, you can't – they're not just going to go get a player that's a selfish guy. I mean, when's the last time the Ravens brought in a selfish veteran? It's, it's – I mean, I can't remember. I mean, most yeah, of the time some, – some, Someone would probably argue Earl Thomas ended up falling into that category, <laughs> Coach. But, You're yeah. exactly right. Yeah. I would agree with that one. Yeah. yeah I would agree with that 100%. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, yes, I think you make a really good point. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, everybody makes a mistake once in a while, but yeah. – <laughs> No, you're right. He was he was a hell of a player for that first year, and then it all just kind of went to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, anyway, yeah. look, as we both know, the offensive line is one of the areas they're going to continue to work to improve as well, because it's uh, so instrumental in the success of the offense that they do run. You know, there's no way around it. They don't. Uh, it's not forget. I mean, they they pound the heck out of people, and they need to get get the uh, get the line in order to do that. I know they had a lot of injuries. They got a couple of young guys, I think, that'll come on. But again, that's an area that that uh, I think they're going to address, as they already have. Um, the, you know, the, at this point now, knowing what they've already done, Coach, are you 
Would you would you think that that center still needs to be a priority for them? As we're assuming Bradley Bozeman is still going to end up signing somewhere else. Although every moment that he doesn't sign, you can't help but hope that that means that his number is coming back to where the Baltimore Ravens could get him back. Or do you need to go back to that defensive front that we're talking about? What would be still the the biggest priority for you as far as what the Ravens need to do? Uh, you know, I think if every if all things were equal in the player's ability and what he gave your football team, I think they'd go to the defensive line. Yeah. But they, all things aren't equal. Of course. And they never will be. So it'll be interesting what they do next. What you can say about the Ravens is they always identify correctly what it is they need to do and what, what positions they need to go after. And sometimes there's not a guy at that position. So you may say, God, why aren't they going for this? They don't have one, blah, blah, blah. And all these people blow up people's names and say, this guy's the greatest and all that. You know, if the Ravens don't touch them, there's darn good reason why they haven't touched them. So, um, and yeah, sometimes they say, look, at, there's about, you know, this is a, this is a heavy draft in that position, you know, and so we're going to get, you know, we're going to get one, two, three guys in the draft. We know that. Uh, so again, when it's all said and done and the draft is over, I think that's when you'll really, you know, I think it'll all piece together as it always does. And you'll see the logic in what they're doing. Um, the other, the other thing I want to run by you before I let you go, coach, there are two different proposals that are on the table for fixing overtime and the league's going to talk about it. The first is we get, but let both teams have the ball, no matter what, if both teams score, we play on, go from there. The other, and I believe it was from the Titans is that the first team gets the ball and if they go score a touchdown, they get the choice. They can go for two, and if they get it, the game is just over right then. Or they can kick the extra point, and the game will play on. Do you like either of those two scenarios better? None of them are, none of them are fair. That's the problem. Then there's only one fair system in colleges running it, in my opinion, or unless the old system that the NFL used to have where they just kind of went to the full quarter and whoever you know, got it won the game. But, again, that's, it's just I just wish they would – they just will not do anything that somebody says is a college thing. They just won't do it. They just won't do it. For some reason, when you tag college on it, it's like, ah, that's a college thing. I mean, the most exciting – I mean, you guys have watched college games. I'm going to tell you what, watching overtime is exciting. I mean, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's the balls at the scoring range. It's like, I mean, it's, everybody loves scoring. Let's get the ball closest to the 20-yard tw- you know, line, and let's do it. And let's play until, until somebody's a winner and, and – it's fair and it's exciting. And what what do you what I don't do you know what else you want? What do you make of the <laughs> argument that it neutralizes having quality special teams, right? Like that you're what, what do you what do you miss? Let's talk about what you miss. <laughs> you miss you miss punting and punt returning. Let's talk about how many punt returns I hear you. how many times the ball's punted. I hear you. That's such a that's that guy that sits back there and just can't wait to throw that out there and say, Yeah, well we're losing especially come on give me a break buddy i I mean my goodness i get it i I think maybe it might be because you know like in baltimore we've got the greatest kicker of all time we just maybe prefer that like the drive doesn't start immediately in field goal range because look you just said though the kickers he's in it now the field goal is critical right he's in the extra point critical he's in it but punting the ball come on i mean we're gonna miss punt returns I mean, I mean, that's when you, you know, everybody leaves, the, you know, that's usually when guys run to get the more chips in their plate. That's usually when you run into the bathroom a lot of times, you know, I mean, that's, that's not, if people aren't hanging around. I shouldn't be that critical of it because I was a special teams coach my first two years in the league. So I love special teams, but, but again, we're talking about overtime. We're talking about, this is, I don't know. It just bothers me. People throw that out there because it's such nonsense. I, I mean, there's I a great way it. right now that has, is so exciting and 
just use it and quit saying, well, it's a college thing. No, I, college. I hear you. I hear hey, look, you. If it, wasn't, if it wasn't for the college thing and the zone read that came from college into the NFL, finally, first off, it started in high school. Then it went to the college. Then it went to the NFL. I mean, without that, there would be about 15 quarterbacks that can't play in the NFL. Um. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's fair, right? That's oh, fair. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The, the, look at the – you go back about 25 years. When I first started being a coordinator in the league, mm-hmm. I mean, the guys wouldn't run. Yep. I mean, yep. And if they did run, it was strictly scrambling. Yep. They weren't running because yep. it was designed. Now they run when it's designed. And, I mean, from Michael Vick, who just did a little of it, all the way to – to Cam Newton, to yeah, Lamar, obviously, right? I mean, Russell, right now, who just went to the Broncos. I mean, that's what he does. The threat of that is what got those guys, gave them the ability and the time to develop as an NFL quarterback. So, in, so in general, in general, the NFL should consider more of kind of what the college football game is doing. Is is what you're saying? It's, sure, an, inter- always, it's an interesting, yes, it's, it's an interesting concept. Well, I, I wish you know. Again, it's just there's just no question in my opinion. Getting back to the original topic of of overtime. I don't think there's a more exciting time in a football game than an overtime in a college game. I mean, it's just, it's exciting. It's kind of the way I, it's kind of way I talk about the new, uh, the extra inning rule in baseball for the last couple of years where I'm like, I thought I would hate it. And then I just loved it because it was a runner on second base everything. And it just made everything so much more exciting once you got to extra innings coach. It's, yeah. um, it, it's great to catch up with you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Anything you're doing between now and when the season starts that we can plug for you? No, no, not at all. Hanging out, enjoying life. That's not a bad way of uh, spending your time, my friend. Well, I'm making efforts. It's just not coming through, but that's okay with me. I'm well, doing fine. Well, Coach, good. hopefully we'll be seeing you back here in Baltimore by the time we get around to August in the preseason. Always That'd appreciate you taking the time for us. Let's chat again real soon, all right? It's... All right, Glenn, Paul, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. He's See Coach you. Mike Nolan, of course, former Ravens defensive coordinator, and he was down in New Orleans with Marcus Williams for a couple of years. Some high praise for him as a football player. Says, okay, you know, he's not, he ain't Ed Reed. And we all know that. Come on. Nobody's Ed Reed. That's silly. But I get what people were trying to say yesterday about stylistically, he's closer to things that Ed Reed did in the style of football player he is. It's just that Ed Reed was so cerebral that it can't be, there's no way to duplicate that. It'll never be duplicated again, likely. Um, but stylistically, what it is that he's trying to do is more similar to Ed Reed. And, of course, you know, that sounds that sounds good. That sounds great. That sounds like a big thumbs up. I'm all for it. He's got to go do it. You know, like, it's the way it's got to go. And it's it's got to prove that you know, it'll work. Um, you know, and we still have to see what else the Ravens are going to do between now and when they line up to play a game in week one of the NFL season. All right, today's show also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. If you missed Stan talking baseball with Doug DeSensei the other day, I would encourage you to go find it, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab or go to pressboxonline.com slash video. It is available right there. And uh, he does two shows a week for you on Mondays and Thursdays with great guests. Stan the Fan talking baseball on Mondays and a newsmaker in the world of sports every Thursday as well. When we come back in, uh, a couple of things I wanted to cover. We'll lay out the uh, Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios for sure. And Charles Davis is going to join us at the top of the hour to talk a little bit more about uh, what the Ravens have done and and far more about the NFL draft for this week's draft segment. That's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. (laughs) 
Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Wednesday edition of the program. That means it's a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the show. Today's show also brought to you by, ooh, this one's brought to you by Simply the Bets. Every Tuesday morning, 1140 a.m., we're talking sports betting with you in the same locations, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, pressboxonline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Get you ready for um, everything going on during the course of the week. Obviously, yesterday's show was heavy on the NCAA tournament. Our buddy Aaron Oster from VEASAN throwing out some winners, trying to follow up on that huge Cal State Fullerton pick from last week. 
that uh, ended up being a big, big winner for you. And I, I played it. I hope you guys did too. So uh, we do that every Tuesday. And then every other Thursday, we've got Weekend at Bookies for you at 11.40 a.m. as well. I need you. I had a bunch of our regulars that got in yesterday. Thank you. We are almost there. I think we got like 10, maybe 12 spots. Got a couple people that are being a little flaky that like said they were in but haven't paid. And it's no good to me. And the games start tomorrow. So I need you to get in. Need you right now to go pull out your phone, open up your old Venmo app. And I need you to send $20 to at Glenn-Clark. Or open up your PayPal app, send $20 to at Glenn Clark 180 Or open up your Cash App app and send $20 to dollar sign Glenn Clark Radio. And when you do, message me or in the notes say, here's my email address. And I'll send you the link to get in to our bracket contest. You say, Glenn, it's just another bracket contest. Except it's not. It's a bit different. Because our bracket contest helps charity our bracket contest is going to get a winner $500 a second place finisher $250 and $250 to charity and that particular charity being the folks that show your soft side $500 to the winner $250 to second place $250 bucks we're pulling out, so I'm trying to do this math. I guess it's a quarter. It's like four bucks from everybody. Goes right to, is that math right? How's that with 50 people? I guess it's two bucks from everybody. I don't know. Whatever the math is. $250 is going directly to show your soft side and the incredible work that they do for pets, for animals in our community. And we're going to be partnering up with them for their upcoming Project Runway. Here in, um, what is that, what, what, what day is today? It's March 16th, so I think that's coming up in five weeks at um, whatever the name of Pier 6 is now. I, don't, I apologize, I know it's got a corporate name, but whatever it is, uh, that's where P- uh, Project Runway is going to be, and we're going to be involved with that. But we want to take care of them and all of the amazing things that they do. So I need you to get in right now. you got 24 hours. I, I, I swear to God, and I'm going to call more of you out by name. I appreciate those of you that already got in. I know uh, uh, Nick Kelly got in yesterday. Ben from San Francisco got in yesterday. Kyle Ottenheimer got in yesterday. A lot of you got in yesterday, but I'm going to start calling out others of you by name. Like, Matt Torper, you asked me if I was doing the bracket contest, and you haven't gotten in yet. Need you to get in. Matt Myers, need you to get in. I need our regulars to get in. Kyle Andrews, it was your birthday yesterday. Where you at? Need you to get in. Ken Zalis got in. I like that. I'm going to keep calling you out by name. I need our folks involved. Don't tell me. I swear to God I had somebody tell me, I don't really uh, pay attention to college basketball. Do you think that means anything? Have you ever played in a bracket contest before? It is dumb luck and nothing more than that. Need you to get in. That's it. Simple as that. Get in. We're going to fill this up. 50 spots. Let's get it filled today so I don't have to sweat this out tomorrow morning and shut down the show in order to get the final few spots filled. Get your ass in our bracket contest right now so we can take care of the fine folks at Show Your Soft Side. Cool? Capiche? As they might say in some cultures. Capiche. I just sent you my money. Thank you, Paul Valley. Thank you. We're one closer. Thank you. 
Couldn't let Kyle from the grave get in. I mean, and yeah, me. it's not a great look. It's not a great look if he's if he's. I'll call out Ryan Shell. Also got in. Who's back helping out with us? Uh, I'll call out. Uh, where's Lil Jordan? Lil Jordan needs to get in. He's a degenerate anyway. Come on, what are we doing? I'm calling you guys out by name. Get in. Let's go. Finish this up. I don't want to sweat it out any longer. I wouldn't really care. In the past, I used to do these things. I don't care how many people get in. However many people get in, we do a bracket contest. We call the winner. But now it's about charity. I don't do any of these things any longer that don't have a charity aspect to them. We're spinning off 250 bucks. That's helpful. That's going to go a long way to taking care of animals in our community. So let's do that. 250 bucks for um, the folks who show your soft side. All we got to do is $20, get into the bracket contest. And again, you could win up to $500 yourself by participating. It is as simple as that. Would You Rather Wednesday is typically very simple as well. We'll uh, talk about it more when Drew Forrester joins us, but right now you can find the setups for Would You Rather Wednesday at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. They're available for you in either space. Would You Rather number one? Would You Rather the Baltimore Ravens have one more significant move to make in the first wave of free agency? It's either that they bring back Calais Campbell or they sign former Brown center J.C. Treader. Number two, would you rather, congratulations, you've won a bracket contest, not ours, a more significant bracket contest. And winning that bracket contest gives you a unique choice of prizes, either $25,000 in cash, and again, keep in mind, you don't get to get around taxes and things like that, like you still just consider that as you make your decision. Or you get a seat on the next Blue Origin flight to space, which apparently Pete Davidson is going to be on next week because, I mean, why not? For Christ's sakes. What, what, what is he going to do next? Number three. There's a lot of talk about Baker Mayfield last night. Deshaun Watson indeed goes to the Cleveland Browns for a king's ransom. They pay all of their future first-round picks to land Deshaun Watson. Or... Watson goes to the Falcons, and the Falcons give up Matt Ryan to the Pittsburgh Steelers for next to nothing. Those are the three scenarios, and I would like you to think about them because I'm sensing that the first uh, batch of responses didn't involve a lot of thought, just sort of said, eh, yeah, this one. I want you to think about them. Think them through. Consider them. And we'll talk about it a little bit later on when Drew Forrester joins us. That's Would You Rather Wednesday, which is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. All right, so let's talk about the Baker Mayfield thing from last night. I, I'm in a weird place with the dunking on Baker Mayfield for being an Aaron Rodgers-like drama queen versus the understanding... And somewhere between empathy and, like, compassion that was being shared for Baker Mayfield based on the idea that, you know, all he's ever done is, is play his heart out for this franchise and even got hurt and tried to play through being hurt in order to be out there for him, and now they're rewarding him by flirting with another quarterback. And I'm in a weird place between those two things because it sort of reflects what I've talked about before in relation to Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns, which is I get 
why there are people in Cleveland that would say, go ahead and pay Baker Mayfield top dollar. Because they know what life was like before Baker Mayfield. I would compare it similarly to the way most of us felt in Baltimore related to Joe Flacco. Did any of us think Joe Flacco was the best quarterback in football? Ron Jaworski did. I don't even think even he his, said it. he said he was the number one quarterback after he signed that contract. Yeah, but that was that, that was scuttle. I mean, that was nothing. I mean, like he didn't legitimately believe that. It's his. By the way, they're they're very close friends. It's part of Fair the story. Enough. Fair enough. Um, they're in fact now business partners together. They they lived. They, they were they were. I think Ron Jaworski was neighbors with Joe Flacco's dad. Um, no one here believed that Joe Flacco was Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers, or frankly, even Ben Roethlisberger. But we knew what quarterback was like before Joe Flacco got to Baltimore. And because of that, there was no consternation, other than from a small group of a-holes, there was no consternation about paying Joe Flacco big dollars. Frankly, if they had lost the Super Bowl to the 49ers, if Michael Crabtree had caught a touchdown at the end of the game, there still would have been no consternation. Because we knew. We understood the difference in having a quarterback versus not having a quarterback. And the idea of simply rolling the dice and hoping that you can do better is problematic. It's why the majority of us, despite the fact that we know that Lamar Jackson wasn't good against the Blitz last year and have some concerns about Lamar Jackson, would still say, yeah, you have to pay him a perverted amount of money. Because that's the way this works. And in Cleveland, as much as those of us on the outside have said, there's no way you can pay Baker Mayfield like that. You can't do that. That's insane. There are certainly people that say, no, what's insane is the idea that we would have Brandon Whedon, Johnny Manziel, Tim Couch, Austin Davis, Spurgeon Wynn, Seneca Wallace, Ken Dorsey, Derek Anderson. Insert name here is our quarterback. You said Spurgeon Wynn. Spurgeon, I think he was in Cleveland for uh, a minute. He was. I believe he was. Spurgeon Wynn, that's a pull. Robert Griffin III. Any of them. I, I probably wouldn't touch on half of the quarterbacks they've had since they re- returned to the league. They understand. Baker Mayfield is a capable quarterback in the NFL. He is by far the best thing they've had since they returned to the league. By far. Not close. I just don't think that you can give Baker Mayfield top dollar because of your past ineptitude. That just shows more ineptitude to me. You say that. You can say it's about ineptitude. There are plenty of other organizations that haven't had. You're you're talking about the top quarterbacks of the top quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. The idea that that's the standard is that you have to be the top quarterback or one of the top six or seven is nuts. Baker Mayfield's not getting $40 million a year because he made them not suck as bad. I mean, he, it's not that he made them not suck as bad. He made them good. He got them to the playoffs. He Once, won a playoff in, in, game. In four years. I understand that's, that's that. That's a really low bar. And I get it. The that, bar is the, the lowest Cleveland you can be Browns. with the Cleveland Browns. But you can't you pay have a guy to overcome for not an organ- bad. You, you, Paul, you keep saying that. You're, what you're measuring it by is the exact same trap that a lot of people fall into, which is you have to be this good in order to get that money. You're not measuring it by is who is your quarterback if it's not Baker Mayfield? Somebody else. That's not good enough. But this you, is the NFL. If you don't have a quarterback, you have no shot to just keep saying, well, just, just go try again. And do what? Get Sam Darnold? 
I mean, they're 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 flirting with a guy who still might be suspended by the NFL. That's a different conversation. I, we'll get there. There's two separate conversations we're having here. Individually, in a vacuum, looking at Baker Mayfield, the risk is if you don't have Baker Mayfield, you have nothing, and you go back to being utterly and completely moribund. I mean, worthless within the NFL, mm-hmm. which is what happens when you have no quarterback. Baker Mayfield, we all think there's a limit to him. And I get what you're saying. In order to keep him, you're going to have to pay There's him. no option. There's no secondary right. level. I get Because that. right now, the Indianapolis Colts have no quarterback. And if they had a shot at Baker Mayfield, they'd take their shot no, at no, Baker Mayfield. They would. There are too many teams that have no quarterback to think that you can get a leg up in negotiating and saying, but you're not as good as Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think the Baker Mayfield should be getting $50 million a year. My gut is that... Even the Colts would have a limit to the amount of money that they would pay him, but it ain't going to be for 30. You're not getting him. This is the NFL. Kirk Cousins just got 35. That's the lowest end. And Baker Mayfield, given the fact that he was number one pick, is almost certainly going to be more than Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback. I don't think I agree with that. I don't think so. I think that Baker Mayfield is more athletic. I think that he does more things. I think Kirk Cousins has been solid when he's had good players around him. Mm-hmm. I think Baker Mayfield has more natural gifts than the with the the trade-off being he's not tall, right? Like mm-hmm. the trade-off being his size, but he has more natural gifts than Kirk Cousins does. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a productive quarterback when he's got talent around him and that's a, it's a nice thing to have. I think if you measure their produ- their production side by side, you'd be surprised at how much better Kirk Cousins is. No, I, I just said productive. Productive. Yeah. He's been very productive. It helps when you have about, Adam right? Thielen, Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson to throw the football to. It goes game. a long way. Yeah. yeah. And we can say, hey, well, they tried to give him wide receivers in Cleveland. It didn't work. I, nobody is trying to pretend like Baker Mayfield isn't part of the problem in Cleveland. He's part of the problem. But who are they without him? Which goes back to why it is that the Robert, sorry, the Robert Griffin III, the Deshaun Watson thing made sense. If Cleveland was going on to move on from Baker Mayfield, it had to be because they were doing better than Baker Mayfield. That's the only way they could move on from Baker Mayfield is if they were doing better. And everything else aside... From a, a pure football standpoint, there's no debate. Deshaun Watson is better than Baker Mayfield. Now, again, there's a lot of reasons why I wouldn't want Deshaun Watson to be my quarterback, and I'm not comfortable with it. But he's pretty, pretty, it's pretty clear that he's going to be playing quarterback somewhere again. And if you're the Cleveland Browns and you're locked in, lo- uh, left in this spot where either you are going to have to commit to Baker Mayfield and a lot of money, or you got to do better than that, Deshaun Watson provides you the possibility of doing better than that. So if you're Baker Mayfield and you find out the Browns are flirting with Deshaun Watson, you get in your feelings. And you send out a cryptic message that makes it seem like what you're saying is, we got to move on. I don't care how this works out with Deshaun Watson. You've, You've jilted me. So I'm out. I'm done. Forget it. Sorry. So sorry. See ya. And it's a weird spot for the Browns to be in. Can that be overcome if they don't get Deshaun Watson? Probably. It probably can be overcome with money. Tell him he's pretty. Go back and say, no, Baker, we we love you. You're very pretty. You're a very you're a beautiful a butterfly. You're you're our guy. Is it going to be awkward? Yeah, it'll be awkward. 
but it was awkward with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, and they've been able to make it work. I would think that they'll be able to make it work just fine with Baker Mayfield. But I, I don't know that I have, I neither have, I neither have sympathy for Baker Mayfield, nor do I feel like dunking on him is appropriate. I get where it's uncomfortable and where he probably has a ton of people in his life saying, hey, bro, Deshaun Watson, huh? They're kicking you out of town. And he's thinking to himself, yeah, this is pretty effed up. And is it, does it make him look kind of like a 16-year-old girl to send out a message on Twitter? Like, yeah, it does. Like, I mean, we can't. It's the same thing I said about Aaron Rodgers on his weird Instagram post a couple weeks ago. It's, it's very weird. But I kind of get it, too. I kind of get where all you're hearing about all day is from everybody in your life messaging and saying, boy, a team doesn't want you any longer, huh? And you want to say something about it. Because you're not stupid. You see that it's happening. You acknowledge it. But you don't know. You genuinely don't know what it all means. Hey, we'll be in the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel this Friday. Hanging out with former Terp Rodney Elliott for the first couple of games of the day in the NCAA tournament. You're going to want to join us. Great giveaways, great prizes. Come out, hang out with us in the FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to be for the NCAA tournament. Live Casino and Hotel this Friday from noon to 4. Joining us now, let's talk a little NFL draft and probably a little bit more about the, what the Ravens have done. He is, of course, NFL Network analyst, and you can watch NFL Network's free agent frenzy coverage as it continues today and tomorrow. He is our friend, Mr. Charles Davis, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Charles, it's Glenn and Paul. It's always great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thanks for having me on. Hope you guys are well. Everything is good here. I want to talk some NFL draft with you, obviously, but just your reaction to what it is the Ravens did. We're not really used to the Ravens being this active early in, in free agency, right? But they went out. They were bold. They spent a lot of money to go get Marcus Williams, added Morgan Moses to the mix. And, you know, in a vacuum, I look at those two things. I don't know how either one of them can be looked at anything other than, than solid to really good acquisitions and very smart for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and and it, you know it, it. The term "hedges your bets" is is a lousy term because "hedges your bets" means you're just like, oh god, we have so much uncertainty. But they got two proven players there who should plug in immediately and give them good play right from the top. I don't know that people understand just how tough Morgan Moses is. He played with some injuries in Washington when when, when I covered that team for a while that I'm not sure people really understood and managed to answer the bell just about every week. And Marcus Williams, he needed a change in scenery as far as I was concerned. I thought he needed it a couple seasons ago. Mm-hmm. And he's managed to fight his way through some stuff and, and battle. And to be back there and have a chance to pair with Chuck Clark, I really like that move by Baltimore. I mean, I, again, I, I still have concerns, Charles, about their f- defensive front. They've made it clear they're going to build through the secondary, and I know that might that might be your love language, given your history in the game of football, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, we still know, even if the analytics say that is the better way to go about doing it, the biggest plays when games are on the line and trying to win championships still tend to be made up front. And I, I, I as I say in a vacuum. I like the moves. I think I still have some concerns about what the Ravens are doing up front. Right now, they don't have much of anything along the defensive line with pending free agents, and there's still time to do stuff. I, 
I, I just can't help but point that out. I think I still have some serious concerns about the Ravens' front seven, despite the fact that their secondary looks really strong. Yeah, it's understandable, and I get it. I mean, it's it's gotten to that point now where we used to always default to, I'm going to get a defensive lineman pass rusher before I get a cover guy. That was the easy default, right? Right. I think what came into focus a few years ago was when Denzel Ward came into the league and Cleveland took him and passed up Bradley Chubb coming out of NC State, the pass rusher. Remember that one? Yep, absolutely. And their then defense coordinator, Greg Williams, said, you know, the way quarterbacks get rid of the ball nowadays, it's not the same priority with that pass rusher. Sure, you want pressure, you want all those things, but that ball's out of their hands so fast, you better have people can cover downfield. And that's why they that kind of became what we bought from Cleveland about why they took Denzel Ward instead of Chubb. So more and more teams thinking that way. More and more teams, when I talk with defensive coordinators, say we play for the pass before the run, which you and I, Glenn, know. Yep. <laughs> I mean, years ago, well, what? Yep. You said what? Yep. That would have been ground for immediately firing that defensive coordinator. But that's where the game is going in a lot of ways. And, and I think by what they're saying, it sounds harsher than what it really is, mm-hmm. but they are definitely prioritizing. We've got to be able to cover. We've got to have that back end shored up, and maybe we get by with a little bit lesser player up front than maybe we would have before. So it's a very interesting mix. I still know there are plenty of people around the league that still go the other way. They kind of go our traditional way. Right. But but that thinking has definitely crept in there, whether we want to call it analytics or whether we want to call it the reality of where the game sure, is going. Sure, sure. Look at how many playoff teams are playing with, you know, just three down linemen and more linebackers, more safety guys, you know, more secondary guys than ever before. And I promise you, Trey, when I say analytics, I'm not using it as a pejorative. That's not the old man yells at Cloud like, hey, how dare yeah. we? It's not that thing. It's it's more just trying to come up with the right term. That scientifically, it's it's now the way to go about building a defense. And I don't, I just still remember the biggest defensive play the Ravens made a year ago was Adafi Owe in the backfield at the end of the Chiefs game, right? Like that. Right. It it still feels like when games are on the line. And because of the nature of the rules of the NFL, right, that like when the game is on the line, the best way for your defense to be able to win a football game is to have someone somehow that can make a play in the backfield and change a, a, a second and 10 into a third and 24 or something along those lines, right? Like it just, it's still. I, it, it, agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. I'm going to go and, and, and take the, the rolled up newspaper out of my hand where I'm screaming, get off my lawn. Right. Okay. I'm going to drop that newspaper and say, well, a big reason why we can make those types of plays is it's because we got doing time. our job on yep. the back end. Yep. yep. But I come back to this. The biggest play of the season for me, biggest two plays, we're in the Super Bowl. Aaron Donald on third and short. Yep. To stop. Yep. And then Aaron Donald on fourth down with a big play. That's Big guy still making big plays. I agree. Now, it, 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 look, it's yeah. still crucial. Of course, there's only one Aaron Donald. <laughs> Unfortunately, we haven't figured out a way. Donald, but how many yeah. times have we seen it? Bob <laughs> yeah. Miller gets picked up by the Rams. Remember the first few weeks when he got picked up by the Rams? People were like, ooh, does yeah. he still have it? Yep. Yep. All was of a he sudden, not a huge factor down massive, the stretch for them? Massive factor. factor. No question. So, no question. There you go. All right, Charles Davis. I was I was perusing for a Charles Davis mock draft. I, am I incorrect in saying that we have not seen one yet? Uh, Charles Davis mock no, draft. No, you have not seen one yet. And, and my first one does. My first one comes out April the fourth. Okay. And my second and final comes out somewhere around April twenty sixth, twenty seven, as we get closer to the draft. I only have to do two, 
and no one happier that I only have to do two than me. Sure. Okay. The <laughs> right. mock draft is a wonderful exercise, though. I don't want people to, to mistake my not doing a bunch of them because I actually do them. They just don't get printed or put out there very often because those mock drafts are great exercises, especially to remind you when teams add free agent personnel, is that still a priority for them, right? To be able to do what you hear around the league. I actually talked with GMs, and they told me they, they, they follow X number of mock drafts per year about guys they think have their fingers on the pulse of the league to try and get an idea about is there a consensus about where guys are going to help them as they prepare for the draft. Because I used to think teams never looked at those at all. I used to think, why would you look at Charles Davis' right, draft? That right. makes no sense. Well, most probably don't look at mine. But there are probably about 10 out there about different people that they know talk to everyone, get information. And if like they can glean stuff if they see the same name amongst those ten in the same spot. I want to try not not knowing you know, again knowing that we don't know yet who you think is the right fit for the Baltimore Ravens. I want to work around what it is that they've done in the last twenty four hours and where their biggest needs appear to be, and throw out a couple names to you if I can, and get your thought. Hey, would this make sense? And then is there any chance you think that player is still sitting there with the fourteenth pick? Is that all right? Love it. So let me start with the guy that I think everybody was already in love with because of what his freakish abilities were on the field, but then they saw what he did at the Combine, and I, I'm starting to believe more and more it's, it's not likely that he falls to 14, that, of course, being Jordan Davis from Georgia, as the Ravens right now have very little, and they could still bring back Calais Campbell. There are still things they can do, but they have very little on the defensive line. What do you make of Jordan Davis? I think that Jordan Davis has increased his profile, not just with the combine, but I believe the national championship playoffs. Because if you go back to the SEC title game, there were a lot of people saying that Jordan Davis would slide more because you remember how Alabama ran those defensive linemen in that SEC championship game. Everything was sideline to sideline, moving laterally, not able to get upfield, not able to stay on the field. Immediately, people pointed out that he plays less than 30% of their snaps, all of those sorts of things. But I think the national championship you know, playoff games, those two, and especially the second one against Alabama, dominant. Looked like he was fit and in shape. He had yep. lost a little weight. Then he comes to the combine. He's at 341 instead of 360. And he blows us away with his athleticism. The question mark always still comes back to, do you believe he is a true pass-rushing force down one because that's what it's going to boil down to. That's where he lost ground in that first game against Bama. Can we play him multiple downs? And I think that he proved by, by being in shape, by moving like that, if you buy into him, yeah, he's definitely that guy. But you're not going to find in terms of sack numbers, things of that nature while at Georgia, because one, he was in a rotation, didn't play a whole lot. Two, is he a true pass rushing force inside? Someone's got to believe in that. And that's what it comes down to. Look, he's not Terrence Cody, and Baltimore understands what Terrence Cody looked like. Yep. Terrence Cody was a true one or two down player, run stopper in the middle, give you nothing else. I think Jordan Davis has the ability to give you more than that. So it's going to be an intriguing pick there at 14. And will he still be there? I think the opportunity for him to still be there exists in a big way. Okay. All right. That's very intriguing to me. Let me go to, uh, and I'll throw out two edge rushers that I think are, are particularly appealing. Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, and then David Ajabo from Michigan, who y you add in the connection, of course, with Mike McDonald and the fact that, you know, Mike McDonald, like, arrived at Michigan and figured out exactly how to make David Ajabo work. And 
I, I can't shake it, Charles. That's really appealing to me. When you know the defensive coordinator knows exactly how to use a certain player, that is a really appealing thought to me about what the Ravens might be doing at 14. Probably even more appealing to you, I would say, than Adafi Owe last year in the late 20s, yep, right? Yep, very much so. Because because Ajabo actually got people off the ground at colleges last year, right? I mean, you, you saw plays happen. Owe, I thought was a I thought was a perfect Baltimore pick because you had multiple picks last year, and and I think I actually mocked him there at that slot. I got lucky on that one, but it made it made sense to me that Baltimore would look at that size speed ratio the whole thing that you know something we can do something with that and boy did they ever right so he's already unlocked it Ojabo much more production this last season in terms of numbers we can grasp onto similar athlete has some connections with Oway that way yep it makes perfect sense and would he be there at 14 I think absolutely I don't think there's any question at all that that might actually be a high pick for him I think you're saying the same thing when you're talking about Jermaine Johnson coming out of Florida State who had been at Georgia Big rotation there. Goes to Florida State so he can get more playing time. Let, let's, and, and by the way, since we're on here, let's, let's explode the myth that he didn't play at Georgia. That was a myth. But they had so many guys, it's the same thing as a Jordan Davis. Right, He's right. Rotating people. Yep. So he played, but he wanted more playing time, got it at Florida State, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, and continues to have a stellar run-up to the draft. So both of them definitely available for you at 14, I believe. I don't think any of the one of them is going to be plucked before that. And then the other one, and I think, again, I'll assume that he's available at 14. I don't think that he goes higher than this. But with the Ravens addressing tackle, we have to acknowledge at the moment they still appear to need a center. Um, Bradley Bozeman could still end up coming back, but you know he's not here right now. And Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa seems like the, the, the one guy that could be the guy they, they use that pick with to address it. Is, I, I think the question goes a di- different way, Charles. Is that too high? Is that too much of a reach to grab Tyler Linderbaum with the 14th pick? I don't think so in terms of if that's the guy that you want, I don't think just going too high or taking him beforehand and trying to play the game really works. You know, we, we, we've done that for years, and, and, it's, a, and it's a legit thing, like, if I can, I come back and get this guy later. You know that sort of a deal. Linderbaum. If you don't get him at fourteen, I don't think you get him coming back around. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's the first thing. Yep. The second thing is if you think he's your true plug and play right away, it's not too high to go get him by any stretch of the imagination. He's the best center in college football, and he's a guy that say, hey, if I really desire having that guy and I want to get the best one on the board, he's it. Absolutely. Now I will give you an intriguing name. Okay. That if you want to wait down the down the road, okay, go get a center, and let me find his name. I had it right in front of me. Um, offensive lineman from oh Luke Fortner, okay, Kentucky. Yep, he's another guy that you get later on, quote unquote. Just a matter of later, who I think is another guy as another plug and play center coming out of college football. Um, I, you know, I, I'll, I just, we're wrapping up Charles Davis NFL Network again. Their free agent frenzy coverage continues today and tomorrow. Charles, is there anybody else knowing what it is that their needs look like? And look, they could still be the team that decides, you know, Sauce Gardner sitting there at 14, what the hell are we doing? We're taking a cornerback. Even if we got some, this is the NFL. You need to have cornerbacks. But is there any other name that to you makes a particular amount of sense given what they've already done and what their needs appear to be moving towards the 14th pick? Yeah, I think that you're going to have, like, look, Let's say it's not Jordan Davis. What if you like Devontae Wyatt from 
Georgia better. Mm-hmm. He's not as big. <laughs> Although, isn't it funny to say he's not as big? He's only 304. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right? <laughs> how does he get by? How does he survive at only 304? I don't know how he survives yeah. at 304. I just don't get it. Yeah. But his numbers are better than Jordan Davis's. Now, I realize there's a 40, you know, 36-pound weight difference. I get all that. But this kid runs, jumps, tests, moves, plays. What if you like him a little bit better? Jordan Davis is a splashy name because of what we saw at the Combine, and understandably so, 341 pounds. That's like something out of NASA. How does something that big get off the ground, right? It just doesn't work. It just doesn't equate in your mind. But Devontae White's heck of a player, you know, and he's sitting right there, and he could very well be the guy that they might like a little bit better. So that's the sort of thing that you start running through that exercise, you know, and, and as you said, you start going. And, again, I don't care what position. If that's your guy, I say go get him. And I always fall back on, we don't give Dallas a lot of credit because, you know, the Cowboys, there's no telling what's coming out there, right? But you remember the year they took Travis Frederick at like 31? Yeah, absolutely. And there was a lot and of, everyone lost right, their mind right. And get him in the third round. Right. Yeah, okay. It worked out okay. Remember Dwayne Brown when he came out of Virginia Tech? And I think that the Houston Texans, I think they traded back into the first round to get him because there was a run on left tackles. And again, he was another one that many said, third, you could have got him in the third round. I think that worked really well for them and Seattle later on in his career. Yep. So again, if you have conviction on a player and you like him, don't worry about what us, us knuckleheads are saying about what round you can go get a guy. Yeah, go get that player. You're dealing with the reality of who plugs in and plays for my team right now. And there's no no way you go too high to get the guy that you want. I, I agree with you on all that as long as that player isn't Jake Locker. I would say. I would agree. Look, I think we all I think we all live in that fear, right? Yeah, yeah. We're doing. And that's why I'd say with quarterbacks this year, and I know Baltimore's not in the quarterback market. Yep. But for everyone out there, just remember this, and I'm and I think I'll be able to stick through stick to it throughout the draft one. If you take the top five quarterbacks that went in the first fifteen picks last year and you grade them coming out into the draft last year, not their rookie season, the same evaluation that you're doing with these quarterbacks this year. There's not a single quarterback in this year's draft who has the mark of the fifth quarterback who went last year. Sure, sure. Keep that in mind, okay? When everyone starts getting quarterback needy and desperate and doing all those things, based on evaluation, that's what I think you're going to see across the board with the league. Does that mean someone won't still go get a quarterback? No, because quarterbacks are necessary, need them, and the whole deal. But I don't have a single one with a score that equals the fifth guy last year, which was Mac Jones of Alabama, that in, in, in the draft this year that, that I would take at the top. That's just me. Chuck, I know I need to let you go. Can I get squeeze one last one in with you, just sure. because it's sort of defining for the Ravens offseason at this point and everything going on with this organization? Um, we think that Aaron Rodgers has now reset the quarterback market at $50 million, although we don't know that, right? We still don't know exactly right. what the number is. Would you have any trepidation at all if you were the Baltimore Ravens in paying, like, if they do a deal with Lamar Jackson, it being in the 45 to $50 million range per, per year? Always have trepidation with that. But the market is, is reset so many different ways, so many different times. I know if they are committed to playing the offense the way that they're playing it with him, then he's their guy. You're not going to get better than him to play offense the way that you're playing it. I mean, it's not going to be better than Lamar Jackson. Carson Wentz got all his money. It didn't work out, but he got his money. Dak Prescott ends up getting his money. If that's your guy, you just got to deal with the money game. That's... But it, it, unless you're trying to play offense differently, 
then Lamar Jackson's the guy. I, I completely, I completely agree. That's where we are. All right, uh, Charles Davis, who's no longer on Twitter. He's gotten away from the cesspool altogether and has left it for the rest of us. And he said, I'm, I have no doubt your life is better for it. Um, I, I, I just, I'm guessing mostly draft coverage. That's where we're going to be seeing you on NFL Network in the coming weeks. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be the spot. I think past 10 draft starts uh, April 4th, and we'll be doing that. So I'll be on it a bunch there. And anytime they, they're crazy enough to let me on air, I'll be on, and I'll be there for the draft in Las Vegas. Looking Tra- forward to Charles it. Davis, always appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for taking the time appreciate for us you. this morning. Take care now. Charles Davis, NFL Network, of course, during the season as well with the CBS. Appreciate him hopping on with us and spending a moment chatting about the NFL draft and the Ravens in free agency. Today's show is also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. Of course, Underdog Fantasy Football has so many great games for you to play. Basketball, hockey, baseball coming soon. And if you use the code PRESSBOX when you make your first deposit, up to $100, we're going to match it with free money for you to play with. You can't bet on your phone or online just yet in the state of Maryland, but you can play underdog fantasy football and feel like you're betting. Player props, parlays, it's all available. Again, underdogfantasy.com or download the underdog fantasy football app. Of course, we are into March Madness, and our next guest is in March Madness as his Mount St. Mary's Mountaineers are getting ready to play in the first four tomorrow night against Longwood. He is the coach of the Mount St. Mary's women's basketball team. He is Antoine White, and he's with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Paul. Congratulations. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Coach, it's great to catch up with you. I know it's got to be a uh, both, both stressful and exciting time for you doing this uh, for the first time as a head coach, right? Um, knowing what you've been doing through the program, does it does it feel different to you? Did you have a moment where it hit you and it struck you in a different way than as you've been coming up through the system and, and reaching the tournament as an assistant coach? It's funny you ask me that. It really hasn't hit me, you know, and I don't even uh, remember our, our NEC title game, to be honest. It's, <laughs> everything is just <laughs> – it's all moving so fast, and, and, you know, when you're coaching basketball, it's uh, it's not like football. You know, we, we got game after game, and, you know, we, we finished up Sunday, and then we found out uh, Sunday night we're playing Logwood, and, and then next thing you know, two hours later, I'm right back to film. So uh, it, it's so fast-paced that it hasn't hit me, but, uh, you know, whenever it gets a chance to slow down, I'm sure I'll take it all in. Yeah, it'll probably – at some point, there's got to be a moment where, like, you know, you walk out to the floor and you're like, holy crap, I'm really the head coach of a team in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> at some point, it will. Maybe when we play Longwood tomorrow, that might hit me. Yeah, it probably, it probably will go a long way. Uh, coach, yeah. let's, let's go in reverse, right? What did it mean to you to be tabbed to be the head coach? Um and someone who's still, you know, relatively young in your own career, right? Um, For sure. What did it mean to you to get to have that trust, you know, given the success of the program at Mount St. Mary's, given that a championship standard had been set? What did it mean to you to get the nod to be the head coach of this program? And were you confident when you took over the job that you were going to be able to continue and sustain that championship caliber was there any doubt in your mind that this is what your team was going to be capable of accomplishing this season? Yeah, you know, from, from day one, uh, ever since I stepped on 
uh, Mount St. Mary's campus as an intern back in 2016. This was always my goal. You know, I, I didn't uh, I didn't want to be an assistant coach. You know, I, I knew I had to work and uh, grind my way up to the top. But I, I always had a dream of running my own program. And the Mount has been so good to me over the years. And, uh, you know, the last year or two, I, it looked like I had an opportunity to take over this program. And Coach Maria uh, did such a fantastic job and uh, flipping around our program and her and I worked really, really well together. And she told me, she said, listen, Tom, I'm not going to be here forever. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I leave, I, I want you to come with me, she, you know, in a selfish way, she wanted me to come with her, but she said, listen, man, you're, you're ready. And if the Mount, uh, if the Mount feels good about it, then, you know, they'll go ahead and make you the next guy. And uh, Lynn and, and our administrators had nothing but uh, love and support for me. So uh, it, it means the world to me, you know, and, I just have to continue to do what I've been doing, and that's just coming in every single day, uh, staying true to who I am and, and continue to work hard. Of course, Coach, referring to uh, Maria Marchesano, who took the job at uh, IPFW and left that opportunity, and here we are talking about another trip to the NCAA tournament. He's Coach Antoine White from Mount St. Mary's. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Coach, with all this said, um, you guys weren't even a 500 team a couple of weeks ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> what clicked what happened down the stretch of the regular season that set you guys up and i get the part of that is you play a difficult schedule and that you know sometimes it's not fair to hang someone's overall record when you're at a place like mount st mary's because i know you had some tough games at the start of the season but what what clicked down the stretch that set you guys up to be able to make that run in the nec tournaments our defense our defense and i got to give a huge shout out to our defensive coordinator uh, Dave, he, he's done a, a fantastic job uh, with our defensive schemes. And, uh, you know, I, I moved over. That used to be my role, and I moved over to the offensive end. And uh, I, I kind of turned into an offensive coach a little bit too much. And uh, just him and I just, you know, we, we sat down about a month and a half ago and we said, listen, we really got to just get back to playing some good, solid defense. And uh, that's why we were able to turn this thing around. You know, we got talented players who know how to score the basketball uh, for us, we had to be more defensive-minded, and uh, that was the turn for us. And uh, for the last month, we've been holding teams uh, to 60 points or less. And uh, with the kind of offensive power that we have, if we can continue to do that tomorrow night, uh, I like our chances. Do you use being put in the the first four? Does that create like a bit of a chip on the shoulder type of thing? Or, or, are you? Do you like to play that up? Is that your style to say, hey? They're doubting us, you know. Like, are you that type of coach, or is it sort of like, ah, the hell with all that? We just got to go beat Longwood. No, no, I am that kind of coach. Okay, I definitely look for for little things to motivate myself and my team. But yeah, I mean, that, it, it is what it is. You know, we're in a small conference, so you know we can have a really good season. And I, you know, with the new playing style, I just expect us to be in it because of of our conference. So that doesn't really bother me. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us to go out and, and, and get a win and continue to play in this tournament. You, of course, you know, it's it's nice when you're trying to uh, take over as a head coach to have a, a veteran and a solid player like Kendall in order to sort of lead the way for you. What what does she mean to this entire program? And, you know, I think we've, we've learned a little bit more about her as a person, too, over the years. But can you speak to, as both a player and as a human, what she's meant to you as you've moved into this role and uh, getting your team back to the NCAA tournament? Yeah, KB's special on and off the court, and uh, at, at this point, it's it's pretty well documented what she's going through off the court, and, and what her family and what her sister Ella 
are all going through. And yep. uh, the fact that she can come in here every single day and uh, play hard and be a competitor and, and be our leader, uh, and, you know, and she just does it without breaking stride. Uh, it just says a lot about her character. And uh, she's so talented and, you know, she, she earns it, though. If you come into our gym on a Tuesday morning, uh, Kendall Breezy is going to be in there and she's going to be working on her game. And, uh, you know, her teammates follow her. Uh, she's definitely the rock of this program. And she's a huge reason to why we're here right now. For those uh, that She's been leading our defense for the last couple couple games so she, she's a special player for those that don't know Kendall's sister Ella is is, is dealt with a form of brain cancer that's somewhat rare and and she's been a rock for her family it's it's an amazing story and um I saw a video that Grace Grail did for uh, about it a couple weeks back and I was just like wow like I, I am mm-hmm. in awe truly in awe of how remarkable this person is um a coach who's the, you know g- give me the name of someone who is particularly maybe has exceeded your expectations this season. Someone who you didn't know exactly what you had, but without them, there's just no way that you would be in this place right now. Yeah, I I think Jada Lee first comes to mind. You know, Jada Lee is a really, really talented sophomore uh, that we have on our roster. And, you know, Jada's got a lot of experience in front of her. So (laughs) it was hard for Jada to get on the court last year. So a lot of people didn't know who she was and, going into this season, I knew she would have a bigger role for us. Uh, and then next thing you know, we just started to have all these injuries. So Jada Lee really had to step up for us. And she's been playing some good, solid basketball for us. And the thing about her, what she brings to the table, it doesn't always show up in the stat sheet, but she's just all over the place. She makes a lot of winning basketball plays for us. She's very timely with those winning basketball plays. Uh, so Jada Lee is somebody – I think people need to pay a little bit more attention to, especially moving forward when Kendall leaves and, and Kayla leaves. Uh, that's just going to be more opportunity for Jada Lee to showcase her talent. That's cool. That's cool. We're looking forward to seeing her play moving forward. Coach, I'll wrap with this. As you guys get ready uh, for uh, tomorrow night down in Raleigh uh, against Longwood, uh, just just finish the sentence for me. We'll move on and we'll get our shot against NC State if blank, if what? Our defense shows up. Our defense shows up, and we play with that intensity, and we're locked into the small details of our scout. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, Longwood, they score it. You know, they're averaging 70 points, and like I said earlier, we've been holding teams to 60 or less. So if our defense shows up, we'll be in pretty good shape. I like the sounds of that. And as we know, there's a little bit of a history of uh, teams in this area pulling off uh, some pretty big upsets in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, we'll, we'll, keep our, we'll keep our fingers crossed that you guys get the opportunity to make some similar history. Coach Antoine White, um, so happy for you. Congratulations on, on, on getting this first NEC title and NCAA tournament trip as a head coach. Uh, may you go shock the world over the course of the next few days, and hopefully we can catch up with you again to talk about some amazing things your team has done. Thank you for taking the time for us, and congratulations again, all right? Absolutely. Thanks for the kind words. Coach Antoine White, Mount St. Mary's women's basketball coach. They get ready for Longwood tomorrow night down in Raleigh as part of the first four in the women's tournament, which gets underway tonight. That game tomorrow night, 7 o'clock on ESPN2, if you want to check out the Mount St. Mary's women as they open up their NCAA tournament. All right. Uh, Drew Forrester's going to join us, for better or for worse, when we come back in. We will chat with him about God knows what. That's that's the way that it works with Forrester. 
Today's show is also brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel, of course, the best place to be. Not only will Rodney Elliott and I be there on Friday, but keep in mind, they have special hours in the FanDuel Sportsbook starting tomorrow morning, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, every day. They're open at 9 a.m. and until midnight. And, of course, the 24-7 kiosks are open 24-7. And they've got 61 of those with a few more coming. They have really done everything in their power. We're expecting huge crowds this week. I mean, just massive crowds in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. They're doing everything in their power to make it easier for you to get your bets in. Bruce Billick said, get there early tomorrow and Friday. Get your spot. You can still email events at sportssocialmd.com. Like if you have a unique situation, you want to see if you can get a certain group of people, maybe some clients, whatever it is, you can still email them. And when you put your bet in, any bet of $50 or more on any NCAA tournament game, there's going to be a website that you're going to be able to go to, and they'll give you the details when you put your bet in. If you're a Live Rewards member, you'll be able to register that bet, whether it wins or loses, and 10 people are winning $500 bracket bonuses just for putting a bet in. So even if you lose your bet, even if you're like me and you're feeling super confident about South Dakota State and it doesn't go your way, you'll be able to register as a Live Rewards member to win a $500 bracket bonus with our friends at Live Casino and Hotel. Drew Forrester next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. 
Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. If you haven't picked up the new print issue of PressBox yet, go do that right now. We celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland's run to the 2002 NCAA Championship. Gary Williams is on the cover. Go get it for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox Read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. For better or worse, he is Drew Forrester. Drew'sMorningDish.com is his website, and he joins us now here on GCR. What's going on, man? Mm, hold on. You caught me in the middle of a bite of apple. Ah, well, why wouldn't? What, what, what are you, performer professional wrestler Carlito? Like, what is going on over there? No, I, was, I was having a bite of apple, and you jumped in. Usually you... Blather on about something for two or three minutes, and I got time. But anyway, I blather. I normally blather on about something. <laughs> well, you're always talking about sports. I know what's wrong with. Of course, I couldn't. I, and by the way, for what it's worth, this this is exactly what I was expecting. There's Matt. The Ravens signed two players. They did something they almost never do. There's been a boatload of money in free agency. It's a huge day, and I go to DrewsMorningDish.com. And what was the lead story about today? Coward all golf. Of course it was opening opening day. We covered the Ravens. They were below the fold. They were below the fold. They were the. <laughs> to borrow an old newspaper term, back when we used to read newspaper, the Ravens were. My boss, when I was in the soccer business, um, one of them, because I had three or four, but one of my bosses used to get absolutely apoplectic if we were below the fold. Ah, oh, I mean. What a, what, by the way, what a world. I think that there are genuinely people that can't believe that you would say there was ever a time where the Baltimore Blast would have been above the fold. But, like, no, that was really a thing. Um, that, that like, if, we, if we had a game on a Friday and there wasn't an article in the paper on Thursday, mm-hmm. I would get chastised. <laughs> that, it was not, not, on, not on the game day. Right. Thursday. Because we wanted to sell tickets, I, I, and I guess we should be fair about this. There was this was not the Colts had already left at this point, so there was just it was just the Orioles then that would be your competition, right? Right. right. Um, well, yeah. I mean, they still did cover the NFL, but not you know they had a beat writer back then. It was Clark Judge, actually. Yep. Clark would Clark would go cover, you know, games. The big, they the biggest game send, of the week or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, they would still send Clark around, right? But um. But in the '80s, when I was the media relations guy, when I was in, in the mid '80s, it was us and the Orioles. And 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 if I if our game story was below the fold, they would you call Jack Gibbons right now and find out what's going on, or Marty Kaiser. I'm like, okay, you know, hey Jack, <laughs> this is Drew Forrester with the blast, and just kind of wondering what you know. What, and then I would, you know, he would rant and rave and. 
but, you know, did, and, did, and he, wait, would be, he would be nice about it, but he really wanted to say, like, are you really calling me about this? Right, seriously. Like, really? Seriously. And, and, I'm, and I'm imagining Tom Valente made a similar call to you this morning about the... the yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> is Tom still there? I think he is. I don't know. It's Tom's been, a good man. It's been a while since I've gone over, to be honest Tom's with you. A, Tom's a good man. Uh, Tom, was, Tom was always one of my favorites. Okay. I like Tom. He and I were good. Yeah. I never had a problem yeah. with him. But anyway, yeah, there was a, there was a day when below or above the fold very mattered. Much mattered. Very much mattered. No doubt about it. All right. <laughs> let's talk about what they did. Um, you know, I'm, I'm good with all of it. All of it works for me. I am... I am. I still come back to. I am as not as convinced as everyone else, and I and I, I that the actual difference maker defensively for you winning a championship is your secondary. And I, you know, I talked about this already. The most important play you made all year a year ago defensively was from your front. The two most significant plays the Rams made in winning a Super Bowl came from your defensive front. I get it that the numbers say the best way for you to build a defense is to build it through your secondary and. I'm not here to try to say I'm smarter than that. To me, this is more about coming down to there's a difference in statistically being a good defense versus the type of things that you have to do defensively in order to win championships. And I look at this roster and say, I don't know that they have the players in their defensive front that can do those things that are necessary, even if I think their secondary is really good right now. All right. I would say, and here, here's, here's the thing, right? You know – they're probably sitting over there, and analytically, they're saying, "We got to play. We got to face Burrow twice. We're going to play Josh Allen this year. We're going to play the kid in New England. We're going to play Russell Wilson. Um, I don't off the top of my head. I, I don't exactly remember who else, but you know, uh, Tom Brady. He I heard he was good. Yes, yeah, he's um, okay. We're going to play these guys, and therefore, right? All of them have." Um, most of them have competent wideouts and pass catchers and the quarterbacks are really good and we need a good secondary. And to that you would say, well, of course, right. But all the other pieces, this is a little bit reminds me of the quote from um, Bull Durham, right? Don't think me, just pitch. Like you guys can don't overthink this. I, I realize you want to go get secondary players that are going to be able to go toe-to-toe with the Jamar Chase and these other guys. But like you said, you, you also need somebody on the edge. You also need somebody to fill in for Brandon Williams. I, I would remind you, every time Brandon Williams didn't play, yeah, you got, you got gashed, run over. Gashed against. And I you get got it. run over. It, it, and when he did play, they didn't run over you. Yep. And like you can, you can go argue that all you want, but I would advise you to go look at the data. When he missed games because of injury in the last two or three years, you got run over. Yep. That's a fact. It's, so, it's again, you know, I, which isn't me saying it's it's not me saying that you should be paying a boatload of money for a run stopper, but like you but need you to you need to stop it. the run. Right. <laughs> you got to figure out a way to stop it somehow. Right? Because yeah, you can't ignore when he missed that Browns game that one year. Chubb yeah, is still running. Correct. In the I mean, he could have run for seven hundred yards that day. For right. God's sake. So like, I, I get it. I know. I'm you know. I I I see this kid, uh, the Saints kid. Everybody says great pick. Awesome. I mean, great signing. Awesome. I love it. Uh, I also know that he's one bad step away in August from not playing for the whole year, just like the kid that Peters, right? Yeah. Like, and you I, could build your whole team around it, right. but you you better have 11 good players. Well, and, but we can say that about any player, right? So I'm, that, for sure. that part doesn't get moved. And, and at some point, you got to be willing to pay money. I, I Again, in a vacuum, I like the idea that the Ravens are willing to pay legitimate money in order to get a player that they believe is a difference maker. I. Th- I, I Who, by the way, is young and still has. Yes, I, I don't know. He's in this July of his career. You know, I mean, he he he's got plenty of 
tread left. Yeah, right? he, he might still be in the June of his career. Yeah, I mean, he might be in the. Right. It's he's very young, and and it's right. it's it's relevant that he does something in playing the ball that you haven't been good at. You have not been good at getting turnovers of late. Right. So right. I, I like everything about it. It just concerns me. Do. It, Let's say this is good enough to get you in games. And and the argument against what I said about the biggest plays is, well, if you don't have a strong secondary, you're just going to get your ass kicked. You're not going to be in games long enough in order to have a chance to make plays at the end. That's fair. I, I still come back to, do you look at this front seven and say, if a game is on the line and you need to make a play that you believe there's someone right now that you can count on is going to go make that play for you? And... I, right. I, I don't see that, and you can say, "Well, we're going to find that guy right. in the draft." I hope so. You know, like I, right. I hope well, they had the they 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 did find for the first I don't know six weeks, and I could be off a week here or there right. for the first five or six yeah. weeks last year. No, he looked like he could be the, right. He looked like he could be the guy. Sure, hundred percent. Then he kind of disappeared. But if you go out and add pieces on the other side, or add a couple of interior guys that are, you know, that and and I and to their credit or in their defense. I guess they thought they were doing that, right, with Ferguson and some of the other interior guys, but none of those guys have have really panned out. But again, it, maybe in a year they do. I, I'm, everybody had really high hopes for Ferguson. Eh, he, he didn't do a whole lot, right? Um, so I get it. You got to draft them or get them somehow. Um, but the run is very important. He is Drew Forrester, DrewsMorningDish.com. He's with us here on GCR. And the um, other guy is going to be, I mean, Huntley's going to need some help. Yeah, right. right? Huntley, yeah, sure. That's your guy. Huntley, That's your guy. Huntley, we're still, Huntley's we're still going to need some protection. Huntley's going to need some help. Hunt, Huntley's <laughs> going to need the help. Um, it's starting to get almost, I don't even know if I want to say laughable because it's not, it's not laughable, but it's almost weird now that they don't have any, there's nothing going on with Lamar. It's almost like, no one's no one's willing to say what we're all fearing. I don't know right? what you know. They say I still. Will you come don't back really to, know what's going on. No, I have right? no clue. Of course, I have no right. clue what's going that's on. That's the thing. I, I think zero. that's what yeah. that's sort of what scares us. I think you and I said this last week. Right. Like, you guys aren't. You guys and, aren't really thinking about maybe not keeping Lamar. And there's are you? there's only one reasonable <laughs> deduction that can be made, and even that, like, if you try to figure out how do you get to a place like this, it's I keep trying to do this. How are they here? And if the answer, when we keep did you watch the games from '96 to '08? Yeah, right. Like, uh, by the way, we talked about this. We talked about this with Baker Mayfield earlier, and I compared it to Joe Flacco. I said there was not nobody in Baltimore thought Joe Flacco was the best quarterback in football. We just all knew what happened before Joe Flacco. Well, got he was here. better than anything we had, and and so there was no consternation from five, any of right. us about the idea right. of signing Joe. If Joe Flacco, if they had lost the Super Bowl, if 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 Michael Crabtree catches a touchdown at the end of the game, they lose the Super Bowl. N- no reasonable person in Baltimore was going to say, "Well, you can't play. You can't pay Joe Flacco now." We right. all understood. And it's the same scenario that's playing out in Cleveland that nobody wants to talk about, which is we can make fun of Baker Mayfield for his acting like a 12-year-old girl on, on, on Twitter last night and, and, and laying his heart out there. But there are people in Cleveland who are sitting there saying to themselves, if we don't get Deshaun Watson, what the F are we doing? Because we know what it's like to not have a quarterback. Right. And you can say Baker Mayfield ain't worth this amount of money, but you don't get to decide that. The Colts get to decide that because they literally don't have a quarterback on their roster right now right. Right. and and would be desperate to get a quarterback. 
So right, well, and, and and a guy who is competent. Yes, I mean, you're, again, you're not talking about a bum. No, he, he's decent. Yes, maybe he shouldn't have been the first pick, but he's but he's decent. Kirk Cousins just enough. got thirty five million dollars for this season. Right, Kirk Cousins got thirty five million dollars. Right, right, right. You might as well give him me ten. I mean. This is the world that we live in now, so I right. it's, I get the weirdness of what's going on in Cleveland right now. Like but if, why? But that's but it goes back to the same with the Ravens. Like given all of that, right. and you're a, pretty much a dummy from Perry Hall, and I'm yeah. a dummy from Glen Burnie. Right. Like given that, how do you all not have this sewed up? Right. Unless, and, and, and unless, right? There's some world and, in which and, you're not decide you've decided you're not going to do it. But and, and or I, or or there's somewhere where Lamar has said, you know what? I think I'll do. I'm, I'm going to be that guy. I'm I'm going to try to run this thing up as far as I can, cash out, and I'll go sign with the Raiders for but, $400 million. But what makes no sense about that— And, and I don't know that that's happened, it's, it's, Right. Your scenario is plausible, and I keep coming back to this. The part of it that makes no sense is there no reason why you can't cash out now. There's no reason why if the Ravens aren't willing to pay you that top dollar, you don't walk in and say, good, trade me. Because as I just said, the Colts literally don't have a quarterback on their roster. Right. Even with Deshaun Watson part of the equation, even with Tom Brady back, there's still six teams in the NFL that are desperate, that have nothing at all at quarterback. And if the Ravens are sitting there saying, look, man, we're just not willing to pay you the $50 bucks for whatever reason. Either they're trying to play the game of let's wait it out, let's deal with this again in a year, or, or even the Lamar side where he's saying... I want to run the number up. The number can be run up. There is a team that desperately needs a quarterback that would be happy to give you the money. Why wouldn't you demand a trade to that team right now? It feels like it was about two years ago where quarterbacks made twenty million. It, it wasn't two years Doesn't ago, it? but it wasn't. You know, I hear you, right? Like, right. I hear you. We're, I mean, it feels like it wasn't that long ago where these guys only made twenty or twenty-five million, and we were like aghast at that. Well, like, oh my god! What was what was the Flacco number in two thousand thirteen? Um, one hundred and twenty-five for six years. Yeah, so I mean, like it—it's been like we okay. got we got in the twenty million range ten years ago. You know, okay. like it's it's been a while, but I I get okay. it. I get but it. The numbers, wait, the numbers crazy. They're absolutely insane right. at this point. But that's there's nothing you can do about that. I, I keep right. I, when we have these conversations, there continue to be people who try to say you're he's not worth that amount of money because they're trying to gauge it against Patrick Mahomes or against Josh Allen and say, well, if that's what this guy's worth, you're only worth this, and and they've just lost touch. There, there isn't a Patrick Mahomes number or a Josh Allen number. There's a quarterback number. And either you have a quarterback or you don't. It's just that simple. And if you want to not have a quarterback, okay, like we'll, we'll talk. I, I think it's badass insane to live in a world where you don't have a quarterback because you can end up with Sam Darnold and you can end up with Daniel Jones and you can end up with right. trading picks to go move up for the guy that you think is the guy only to have that guy not be the guy. You got a guy. This is the way. What it costs. Just get it the f done already. What are we, we saw doing? This, we saw this play out ourselves when um, the uh, one of the esteemed TV broadcasters in town thought that um, someone else was making more money than him at the ah, old radio. Yes, that's stage. right. That's right. <laughs> we did. We and he immediately went in and demanded yeah. more what, than what more than he- that what guy. What the hell? What is? And that. And then I got yelled at. Yeah, well, you know, in fairness, you you were a bit of an instigator. I'm not <laughs> sure. You were a bit of an instigator. Did you tell scenario. blank blank that Brent Harris yeah. made $900 doing this show? Like, 
I didn't so, tell him that, but he might have overheard it. So um, I got two things for you. One, what is the update on your proposed boycott of the of the Orioles? You said that you were going to threaten to only go to one game. If they this, didn't play if, 162 so, games. So you're good now, now that they're playing 162? Yeah. I mean, if they play the season, I, I, I always said that. If they don't play the whole season, I'm going to go to – it wasn't a boycott. It's just what I, I felt like – I'm not going to go down there and do this if you guys are going to play 90 games or 100 games and leave us without baseball until July the 1st okay. or All June right. the 10th All or whatever. Right. So you're, you're but good. I, you know, I'll go. Even if I'm they don't, even if they don't, don't have... Go. And they're almost certainly not. I don't, go until, not hot. I don't go until it's hot. What? I do not go to baseball games until it's hot. Like, I don't... I mean, opening day, I don't even know what, what's that, a Monday? I think we're playing that Monday. Yeah. But, like, I don't, I don't like April and May baseball at all. Like I don't go until it's you nice. You prefer to be sweating your ass off sitting on the yes. first base line on a Sunday yes. afternoon. The weather in oh, May no, no, no. is so good. I don't for go baseball. to day games either. Oh yeah, I mean okay, all right. So you you only go to night. But I've been to some night games in the summer. I that go to night still... summer games. I do not go to day games, and I don't go in April or May. I, I've definitely nope. I've definitely been to night games in the summer where they had to give out ice chips like all and, throughout. And football, the... by the way, I only go if it's between. Fifty-seven and seventy-two. This is. I'll. I'll come back to you. This is why every any, any city that builds a stadium that doesn't have a roof is insane. No like, question. You're insane. No doubt. There should not be a stadium that's built without a roof at this point. The Chargers game, when it was seventy-two degrees on like January the oh, 9th, yeah, yeah, was the great. I'm up there in my short sleeves right? and a pair of jeans, like watching football in January. Ten, ten and a half, man. But I am. I am with you on that. I. I am definitely in that group. And I mean, look, I. It's going to take a lot to get me to go to an NFL game of any sort at this point because I'm just out on all the drunks and the whole – like, I'm just out on it. Right. And and it's not really a good experience, right? Like, I, I'm missing things when I sit and watch yeah, the you, game. You saying I'm out on all the drunks – it's yeah, definitely it's, an a, odd thing yeah, to hear. What, from a, what a funny way that life has turned for me. Right. I, I, right. I, I was the problem. <laughs> right. right. Correct. Drew, but, yeah, Drew, I mean, I'm going to go. I'm This is a funny story. One time I was at a Ravens-Steelers game, and we had a who is the, we had a partner with one of the beer companies, and they invited me to come watch the game from oh, the, the – You went to that the flight corner deck. thing. Matt yeah. Crow invited you. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. exactly what it was. Matt Crow said, why don't you right. come up and hang out and watch the game from the flight deck? And so right, I, text, right, right. I, I text Drew. I said, come out and hang out. I'm in the flight deck. Yeah, right. I went <laughs> and, up there, and you were, and, like, immobile. And the next day I said, Drew, why didn't you come by and see me? He said, I did. Yeah, second <laughs> quarter I was there. I don't remember. <laughs> I said, oh, he said, yeah, yeah right. I stopped by. <laughs> yep. I don't remember any of that. You were up None there. None of it. I was up, up there. So to speak. Right. Hey, the other thing I wanted to run by both you guys, uh, a big concert that was just announced coming to UMBC. I wanted to see how excited you were for it. Uh, they just announced Limp Bizkit is playing the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena. So we're gonna we're gonna take a show field trip, right? We're all we're all we're no, all. No, they're not. Did, did you know this before you made your Nookie reference? I did not. Earlier in the I show? did not. Ironically, That's I had no idea. I got man. I got an email during the show. You down, Paul? You gonna you gonna you gonna? There's no um, way. There, no, I can't. Okay, good news. We've just decided what it is that Paul has to do in order to pay off his bet for Major League Baseball. You're going to have to go to the Limp Bizkit show. I'm so sorry. When is this show? Uh, I'll look up the date. You're going to have to go. I had to go see Smash Mouth once upon a time, and I had to suffer oh, through dude, that. Smash Am I going to be like one of 80 Smash people Mouth. There? Smash Mouth is... is Aerosmith compared no, to no, no, don't say things that you're going to regret later. Don't, no, 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 dude. Don't Smash do Mouth has uh, three or four almost good songs. Does Drew have to come with me? No, since Drew doesn't have to do no. anything. Since he finished no, 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 you were the loser. You, it was only about losing. Lim- 
you got to go see Fred Durst. May uh, he's still with the band? Sunday. I, I, how would I know? How would I know if Fred Durst oh, is still in the band? Oh, right. I forgot. You don't like them anymore. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, May 15th. They're playing the oh, that's perfect. Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena. Is that Mother's Day? What a lovely way to should invite your mom. <laughs> yeah, that'll be funny. Mom, we're going to go to a show. You can... That's nice. Who is it? Tony Bennett? <laughs> no, actually, Mom, it's Limp, Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Who's playing with them? Uh, 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 I'm not familiar with these acts. Snot with a dollar sign. <laughs> Wargasm and scowl. But if man, I, this is this sounds like can't I can't miss. If I'm being that. honest, these sound like the names of the bands that would be opening for Limp Bizkit. Oh, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie about that. I had to go see Smash Mouth once upon a time, which I still get PTSD about. I don't know if you guys saw a very funny video I shared yesterday that my buddy bought me of Lori Beth Denberg reading the lyrics of All Star to me, which is very funny. I think I actually have a friend that would go with me. You have to go. You got to take videos. You can't, like, oh. you, this is the legit thing. It's the got, whole show or just for Olympus? Uh, you got to go for, well, you don't have to go see the openers. I don't care about that. Okay. Just, but you got to stay for. 80% of the show was the rule that oh we made. Oh, my God. Like, you got to stay until they, like, go to the encore. Until they play two good songs. Well, well then you you're, Yeah, you're not going to be there for 15, weeks. I was 15, I liked Limp Bizkit. Because well, you were 15. Well, there you yeah. go. Perfect. Now, you've, you go. Go, you've got to go see the Limp Bizkit. This is the part that makes it worse. You Here's have to, the funny part. You have to Ready pay to your own American dollars. Oh, yeah. Listen, to see, uh, no, no, no. I get it. Go ahead. Here's the funny part. He already has tickets. Right. <laughs> well, that, that's He's why... Hang on, He's I set it up the way along. that I set it up, just to try to get an honest answer from him. I was He's hoping just playing along. He's I was, already got third, third row. I actually have two friends who I think one guy would go because he'd genuinely there be interested. Go. Another Here guy go. would go because he would think you, it would be you hilarious. Have to, you have to shoot videos. You have to do right. social stuff. You have to take like we've got to have documentation that you were legitimately there. And we you got it like you got to turn around and put your face in the video so we know you didn't just give your phone to somebody else or give your account to somebody else. Like there's got to be documented proof that you were at the Limp Bizkit show suffering. It's the greatest content I ever did. The guy from Smash Mouth and I ended up tweeting each other back and forth for like two weeks. You've got to go it. to the Limp Bizkit show to pay off your penance for the baseball. I love event. it. I, All right? This is actually a really good punishment. Yeah, it is, isn't this it? This is a really good punishment. It's, it's a form of torture. It's yeah. legitimately... Yeah, this is going to be awful. It's mental warfare that I'm going to put you through when you go to the Limp Bizkit show, so there's oh that. What if it's awesome? I, There's no way in God's green earth that it's going to be awesome. But I, what if somehow think, it's awesome? I think even saying that sentence concerns me, Paul. i yeah, got to be honest with you. You should be punished for that. Like, like, yeah. what, like, like what if VH1 do the most awesomely bad songs of all time? Like, it's so bad that it's awesome. Like, I have a good time because no. it's so no, terrible. I'm, 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 people don't understand. When I had to go to that Smash Mouth show, I, have, I get the douche chills. I get the, like, you... There, it's not just the band. It's all of the people that are there that willfully spent their money to spend a Saturday evening, or in your case, a Sunday evening, doing this. And it literally gave me chills. At least they'll because all be my age. Because it made me so uncomfortable. Yeah, they'll probably all be about your... Yeah, I don't everybody think will be, be 50. That's yeah. right. <laughs> easy. 50, that's easy over that's there. exactly how old I easy am. How did there. you know? Right. Easy over there. Right. I don't know if you're the guy that should be making old jokes, Forrester. I don't oh, know. Wrong. I don't know if you're the one. That's all right. True. Would You Rather Wednesday is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. At Glory Days Grill, they got the St. Patrick's menu. It includes the smoky thigh wings with the Guinness grilling sauce, the shepherd's pie with the Guinness braised beef, the Reuben, the Rachel, and so much more. 
GloryDaysGrill.com is the website. I can think of a few better ways to spend the next four days than camped out, hanging out with the Glory Days uh, smoky thigh wings and ribs, watching basketball. Uh, that sounds pretty glorious to me. GloryDaysGrill.com. Number one, would you rather the Ravens are going to make one more uh, significant move in the first wave of free agency? Would you rather it be them bringing back Calais Campbell or signing former Browns center J.C. Treader? I'll take the center. Okay. Why? Do you have a thought, or are you just going to? Uh, I don't like Clay Campbell at all, okay, actually. Okay, there you go. There's. Was it a personal thing? Did he do something? Yeah, I bumped you? into him at a store, and, he, yeah. and I asked him for an autograph. And he, no, I'm kidding. Di- I'll take the center. All right, we, just, we need the center. If Bozeman's gone, which I assume he is. Yeah, I'm working on this. Although the only thing that's mitigating for this, and I've gotten this response a few times, is like if, if Ronnie Stanley is back and Morgan Moses is playing right tackle, Patrick McCary plays somewhere. So... There is the scenario by which, like, it's a great problem to have because somebody's going to get hurt, but you actually end up having too many guys, whereas I look on the defensive line and you don't have any guys right now. So it's a weird feeling where I get why everybody's saying give me the center, but at the same time, right, like, I, I don't know, Patrick, if, 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 if Ronnie Stanley's back and Morgan Moses is playing right tackle, what are you doing with Patrick McCary if you sign a center? Uh-huh. Okay. Didn't he struggle mightily when he played center? Not though? mightily. That you're thinking of Skura. Skura struggled I they both mightily. Kind of struggled. He had a couple of issues, but it, he was fine. Yeah. He was fine. Um, well, they paid him, so no, oh, yeah, they better they better use him. Exactly right. They paid him real money. Uh, number two, would you rather you have won a bracket? Are you? Do you even still do bracket contests at this point? Are you? I have, no, I have Texas Tech beating Villanova in the final. That's all I did. All right. Oh, I need you to. I need you to sign up for ours because it's a charity thing. I need you to. I need you to to get your. Uh, <sighs> 20, it's 20 bucks. Get it in. Money's going to show your soft side. I need you to participate. Deal with it. All right? Deal with it. need you to do that. Um, but you, congratulations. You've won a very specific bracket contest in which you get your choice of one of two prizes. You can either win $25,000 or you can get to go on the next Blue Origin flight to space. I think I'll take the money. Okay. And number yeah. th- number three, would you rather the Browns indeed end up giving a king's ransom and landing Deshaun Watson, okay. or the Falcons get Deshaun Watson and then send Matt Ryan to Pittsburgh for next to nothing? That's fine. I'm, I'm not even – I think Watson's overrated, personally. So I, I don't really care who gets him, but Matt Ryan in Pittsburgh would be awesome. Why? Because he's no good either. Yeah, I disagree. That, we're going to talk about that more. All right, what, what's going on at uh, DrewsMorningDish.com? Um, for tomorrow? For anything, Drew. Anything at all. <laughs> Plug we're something. Just, just tell us about DrewsMorningDish.com. We're writing about sports. We're getting very excited about uh, the U.S. World Cup. Getting very excited and nervous about the World Cup, although it looks like Gia is going to play again. Well, that's good news. Uh, which is good. Um. And, you know, just wait to see what number Correa is going to wear for the Orioles. Sure, sure. We just continue to hold our breath about that. Continue to hold our breath. He's not signed yet anywhere. That's true. You're right about that. All right. Uh, DrewsMorningDish.com, at It's a Hooded Frying on Twitter. That's how you follow him. Appreciate you, pal. Thank you. Okay, boys. See you soon. Drew Forrester checking in with us. All right. Would you? Oh, hello. We got a, yep, there we go. Would you rather Wednesday? Uh, number one, would you rather J.C. Treader or Calais Campbell? Uh, Calais Campbell. Okay. Why? Um, 
I think what you said is very valid about Makari and having more depth on the offensive line. Plus, I'm still holding out hope that somehow Bradley Bozeman ends up back here. Yeah, I'm not really holding out hope about that. Anyway. It's, it's, and, it's, and, it's and, like and, my hope with Carlos Correa. And what I'm saying is, I'm ruling that out in the way that I worded the question. There's one more move in the first wave of free agency. That's okay, it. One more move. So, so it's either... Calais Campbell, you, you've, you've got more depth. I still think you need more depth on the offensive line, but you've got more depth than you do on the defensive line. So I'm taking... Yeah, I'm in a weird place with this one, right? Because, like, the the... There is also the flip side argument of like neither one is necessarily a long term option, but J.C. Treader is probably around for a little bit longer than Calais Campbell would be at this point. Mm-hmm. So you you do factor that into the equation. Um, I, I just I'm I'm nervous about the front seven, man. I'm really I I can't shake that. It's it's weird how nobody's really talking about it. It's 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 almost eerie to me. It's like when we used to not talk about how there were no wide receivers, and I, like back in like 2010. I would, I would come on the radio on a Monday afternoon, and I'd be like, are we going to talk about how they don't have anybody to throw the ball to, or are we just going to pretend like that's not a thing? Mm. I, I, I'm in this weird place, and maybe I'm doing the math wrong. It would have been, like, one, once Bolden was gone, I was like, are we going to talk, yeah. yeah, talk about this? Like, are, are we going to have a conversation, or are we just all going to continue to pretend like the Ravens do everything right, so everything's just going to be fine? Like, I, I remember just having those feelings like, why are we all in agreement to not talk about the front seven? Because it's not anyone trying to defend it. It's no one trying to sell the idea that the Ravens' front seven is fine. It's just this sort of agreement that we're going to choose to be excited about Marcus Williams and not discuss the other thing. And again, I, I, every time I say it, I acknowledge there's still more free agency to go, and there's still the NFL draft. And it might be that by the time we get to June, I feel somewhat differently about it but i look at it right now and say what we got to talk about this like we got to have a conversation there there, there's next to nothing on the defensive line right now there is still no one that we are confident about in their ability as a pass rusher and by the way there was also a reason why we all wanted bobby wagner to come play here like the Tell me where you're feeling good. And, and you, your answer could be, well, Tyus Bowser. And I, I feel good about Tyus Bowser. If he plays, if he's ready to go for the season, I feel good about him. I think Justin Matabuike can take on a bigger role, but we got to be honest about that. He's limited. The idea – Peter King a couple years ago, I think, threw everybody when he like had Justin Matabuike third on his list of like – dark horse defensive player of the year candidates in the NFL. Mm. And it really screwed with the entire Ravens fan base because Peter King is such a respected NFL writer that I feel like everybody in the Ravens fan base was like, well, this is proof that Justin Matabuike is Aaron Donald light. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I remember Kyle coming on here one morning and saying like, well, I think he can have 10 sacks this season. I'm like, what the, what in the F are we talking about? Like, what, what is going on? I like Justin Matabuike. I think he's a fine player that can help, but we've got enough of a sample size to know what he's not. He's not a game changer. He's a fine football player. Good to have fine football players. You need, you need people around him. You need game changers. They don't seem to have... a. Who's their game changer in the entirety of their front seven? We're just not talking about it. We, we just kind of all agreed to get together and shh, let's, let's just be positive. Let's just be positive. Let's just talk about the good things. And I get it. I, we can do both things. I can both like Marcus Williams and in a vacuum think it's a good signing and still sort of say, hey, but what exactly are you doing up front? 
I think what's if, going on there? I think maybe people are quiet about it because if we know this, there's no way that EDC doesn't know about it. So, so that maybe he's like I mean, you said, I, free agency still a lot to go with you, that. Yes, except for the fact that they've made it very clear over the last couple of years they're prioritizing the secondary over the front seven. Mm-hmm. So, to to what level are they prioritizing the secondary over the front seven? Is it? We're just going to stick guys out there, and whoever we got, we'll hope for the best. And as long as we've got a good secondary, we believe that's good enough in order to make this work. Or I don't. I just don't know. I don't know. It's just a weird. Con- it's a weird conversation we're avoiding, and because of it, I think the clit. I get. I'm getting mostly Treader back from everybody, mm-hmm. but because of it, I think there is a relevant conversation to be had about Calais Campbell. And I probably would end up leaning that way in the moment. In the moment, I'd be leaning that yeah, ask way. Ask me in two months. Right. Next, would you rather you win this bracket contest? You can either get $25,000 or you can go to space. Twenty-five grand. Uh, with, with, without a second's thought, one of my most irrational fears is getting lost in space. What? It, yeah. It's what? A re- I said it's a really irrational it's a fear. It's a really irrational fear. Right. Not to mention rockets exploding on launch or on uh, uh, coming back into the Earth's atmosphere. It's been a really long time since something like that has happened. But it still happens, right? It doesn't happen. It's been a really long time since something like that has happened. I'm not taking any chances. I I can do a lot with 25 grand. Just give me 25 grand. I'm almost blown away. I set it at 25 grand because I said to myself, well, if I set it at anything larger than that, everybody's going to have to take the cash. If I set it at less than 25 grand, I feel like we. I'm starting to wonder if I if I had set the number at ten grand, it still might have been that everybody would have just said, "Give me the ten grand," and maybe that speaks to uh, everybody in our audience has no money. I don't know. Like I'm not sure what that speaks to, because do you know what it costs to get on one of these flights to go to space? A couple hundred thousand dollars. It, it ain't twenty five grand. Um, the cheap ones, the one that like Virgin is doing, are five hundred thousand dollars. The the Tesla ones, the Elon Musk, the Blue Origin ones, are uh, you don't. Seven figures is where it begins, and I'm not even sure that I think if I saw right because they won't confirm it. But some of the various reporting has been like the 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 people that are known to have paid the numbers begin at 2.8 million dollars. I am, I, I get the 25 thousand dollars is a lot of money, but it ain't life changing money. If you can guarantee me my safe return, it changes, oh but you can't. Yeah. I mean. I can't guarantee your safe return when you get in your car this afternoon. Are you going to get in your car? I couldn't guarantee my safe return when I jumped out of a plane with the Army uh, Golden Knights last fall, but I still did it. I couldn't guarantee my safe return. Wait, you, did you? Did, I, can I guarantee your safe return when you flew to Florida? No, I can't guarantee my safe return did, when I go into that Limp Biscuit concert. 100%. I cannot guarantee. There have been terrible things that have happened at Limp Biscuit concerts. You remember Woodstock 99? That could occur yeah. again. What happens if I get stabbed in the kidney at this Slim Sorry, bro. You, I don't know if you read the back, the fine print on the ticket. You accept all risks. I'm forced to accept That's all the these risks. I don't remember. I remember going to some like I remember going to some Ozfests back in the day, and like I, I, I tried to, There was one concert that I went to in my life where I was like, I'm looking around and feeling to myself. I am not very comfortable here. I am not. Like even I would go see like Seven Dust, and I would hop in the mosh pit, and I wouldn't care, and I would do the whole thing. I remember going to a. I want to say I went to an Ozfest that was Ozzy, Corn, Marilyn Manson, Disturbed, and Chevelle. Like those were the headliners. And looking back on it, I'm like, why did I show up before Ozzy? <laughs> and the answer was because I actually really liked Chevelle. 
I really loved Chevelle. I was all in I have on the band Chevelle. Randomly seen Chevelle like four or five times because they were just happened to be part of the show that I was going. to. I think I saw Chevelle twenty times. Like it's just so random. I remember them playing a free show downtown once. I mean, like I just all these various places that I saw Chevelle over the years. Mm-hmm. And and looking back on it, I had, at that point convinced myself that I. I think somebody gave me tickets is the reason why I went. But I convinced myself I had to show up to see Chevelle. And Chevelle, it, like the, they were the first act on the main stage. And then it was Disturbed, Corn, and Marilyn Manson. And I, I had no, none, zero, zero interest in any of the rest of the show. None. Until we got to Ozzy. And so it was just a miserable like four hours of waiting around. Now that being said, and I know he's a terrible person, and I do not encourage... The shame of it is, much like Kevin Spacey is a terrible person but was a good actor, Marilyn Manson put on a hell of a show. Like, the entertainment value of the show itself was high. Um, Marilyn Manson's a terrible person. Yeah, he's a wretched, awful... I don't know anything about... I know his music. Oh, I don't know dude. anything about him. No, no, no. I can't believe you've avoided this somehow. It's been a pretty big story. I, 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 mean, I would do a simple Google search and get your answers about Marilyn Manson. Okay. He is a true... Tr- is it truly, Lost Prophets territory? Uh, no, but it's like... Just, just search Marilyn Manson. You'll get your answers. My first concert ever was Disturbed and Corn. I would have not. I would have passed. I would have said I, thank you, but no thank I've you. I've seen Disturbed six times. I oh like. I, I used to really, really like. Disturbed. I saw him at like an HF festival, and I. And that's all I ever needed. I was good. I again. I I got down with the sickness the way everybody else did. I did the wa ah 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 bit right, mm-hmm. and then I realized there was nothing more there. I really like, that enjoyed was, their, that was the extent of it. Really they were they their were first two albums, but everything since then not the same. Um and but overwhelmingly I'm getting the cash, which uh, honest to God makes me think that the number if it if it had been ten thousand dollars, you guys would have taken the cash anyway. Um, that you guys for whatever reason just have no interest. I can't believe how many people have no interest in going to space. My God, to be able to see something, experience something that so few people have ever had the opportunity to do. I, everybody on the planet can go skydiving, but yet that experience for me was incredible. It was absolutely unbelievable. I can't fathom. Like the number would have to be more than twenty five thousand. Although it would be tricky. The the there is the problematic part where like if I told my wife that I passed on twenty five thousand dollars in favor of, of going to space, that probably wouldn't go over well. She'd probably be quite angry at me about that decision making process. But you, you can't know. take space with you. You can't take twenty five grand with you either. Correct. So. I mean that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Um it it can't your point would be it can't help anyone else yeah which actually I don't think has been proven to be true because there's still it, these things are still so rare that I think like you whatever you take up on the spaceship with you you're able to like sell on eBay because people are obsessed with space and like you're allowed to take personal items up and then you can sell them because they've been in space and there is still such a like an obsession with space that it's a big deal to people to buy things off of eBay that have been in space. Have we learned nothing from Gravity, Mission to Mars, Interstellar? What, we know what can go wrong. What what is if your you obs- go, it's so weird you your obsession with this. It's a terrifying concept. You know there have been far more plane crashes than there have been incidents in space, correct? Yeah, but there have been far more m- Plane, I understand. Plane rides. I understand. But the notion space. that like there's some higher percentage of risk for one of these space it's flights. It's not that there's a higher percentage of risk. It's that the risk, what happens with the risk, is so much more terrifying to me. All right. All right. And then number three, would you rather Deshaun Watson to Cleveland or Matt Ryan to Pittsburgh? Matt Ryan to Pittsburgh. It, I, Matt, Matt Ryan's career is winding down. Deshaun I, Watson's still really good. This is this is I. This feels exactly to me like the mistake that people might have made about Matt Stafford. The idea that Matt Ryan is done 
is is nonsense. Um, I get it. We've all had our jokes and we've all had our laughs about Matt Ryan over the years because he blew a 28-3 lead in a Super Bowl, but Matt Ryan's been a consistently damn good quarterback throughout the course of his career. Um, Deshaun Watson can go to Cleveland and it's still Cleveland and they still have plenty of problems and particularly as a couple people brought up if they give up all their draft picks it's going to be very difficult for them to put the roster together Matt Ryan just having the, Pittsburgh had no quarterback play a year ago negative quarterback play and was still a threat still got to the playoffs give them any level of competent quarterback play any level at all and they are dangerous. Yeah, but I mean, Joe Burrow went to Cincinnati, and I, the Bengals aren't still the Bengals. Uh, it's I understand that argument. I don't. I get that, but they also had other high draft picks, and mm-hmm. were taking those away from the Cleveland Browns in order to go get a Jamar Chase to line up with Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Which isn't to say that Joe Burrow wouldn't still be a good quarterback, but Joe Burrow was a a wildly different quarterback when suddenly he looked around and he had a Jamar Chase to throw the football to. I like Amari Cooper. He's a fine player, but he ain't Jamar Chase. It ain't close at this point between those things. You're taking away those top picks. You're saying you're not going to have them for a long time. I'm not messing with it. I'm not – the Browns will be the Browns, will be the Browns, will be the Browns until proven otherwise. Given the Steelers' competent quarterback play is something I will never, ever be in favor of. Continue to get me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Somebody's winning a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. We'll come back in. Tidbit, tubit, or wind it down. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, winding down for a two, uh, Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. Today's show has also been brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Tidbit brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Right, yesterday, the Ravens made arguably their biggest free agent splash since signing Mark Ingram and Earl Thomas prior to the 2019 season when they signed safety Marcus Williams for five years, $70 million, and right tackle Morgan Moses for three years at $15 million. The signing of Williams gives the team the elite playmaker at safety they've sorely been missing the last seven, several years, and the signing of Moses, who has started 16 games for seven straight seasons, will help solidify a depleted offensive line. The two signings also give the Ravens eight players with a base salary of at least $5 million in 2022 before any restructures, of course. Who are the other six players? Keep in mind, this is a base salary, not cap hit. Say that one more time. So the two signings right. gives the Ravens eight players right. with a base salary of at least that, $5 million. That's the number that I was trying to find out. In, in, in 2022, not cap hit, base salary. Base salary, mm-hmm. not cap hit, base salary. I just looked at this. The funny thing is I just looked at the chart not that long ago. Um. All right. So, uh, Lamar Jackson. Yep, he's number one, twenty-three million. Um. God, it's so funny to try to remember. Oh, um, Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey's number two, tied for number two, ten million. Uh, Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley is fourth. Oh, who's third? Uh, nine point five million. Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters yeah. is tied for second, which third technically ten million. You have two left. Right. So yeah, those are the obvious ones. Um. God, it's gonna drive me nuts because I know I just looked at this. Oh, uh, oh no, I don't remember when it, if his money. Oh God. Mark Andrews. No, three point five million. Yeah. It goes back into that cap hit versus base salary yeah. conversation that we were having. Yeah. Um. Kevin Zeitler. Kevin Zeitler is fifth at six million. One more. <sighs> I actually don't know. Hmm. I don't think it's Justin Tucker. It's not three point five. 
I don't think it's Tyus Bowser. I think his not three million. Nick Boyle? Nick Boyle, okay. five million. He is six. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. Hey, uh, you need to know the risks. I know we talk a lot about uh, gambling on this show, and we you know, encourage you to do it and get involved. It's fun. It's legal. It's a great thing. But you need to know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. If you missed it, UMBC bowed out of the postseason tournament they were going to play in the Basketball Classic. Towson is at Wake Forest tonight at 7 in the NIT. It's on ESPN+. Plus. Morgan State's at Youngstown State at 7 in that Basketball Classic event. That's also on ESPN+. Plus. The last two games in the uh, first four are tonight. Bryant and Wright State at 640. Notre Dame and Rutgers at 910 on True TV. Women's first four gets underway tonight on ESPNU. NBC Sports Washington for Nuggets Wizards at 7. ESPN is Mavericks Nets at 7.30. Celtics Warriors at 10. TNT Bruins Wild at 7.30. Lightning Kraken at 10. Champions League this afternoon, Lily and Chelsea at 4 on Paramount+. Plus. Juventus and Villarreal at 4 as well. Tennis Channel for more coverage from out Indian Wells starting at 2. It's been a great tournament. Francis TFO lost last night. That was a bummer. And uh, TBS for AEW Dynamite tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Um, ABC's Wednesday night lineup, the Goldbergs at 8, the Wonder Years at 8.30, the Connors at 9, Home Economics at 9.30, and the Chase at 10. Andrew Garfield is going to be on Jimmy Kimmel Live tonight. Um, On Netflix, Bad Vegan Fame, Fraud Fugitives, a Netflix documentary. Another Netflix documentary, Heist, spelled with a dollar sign, The Great Robbery of Brazil's Central Bank, and stuff and things. All right, very good. Um, I believe I, I need to, I spoke about this season of Mrs. Maisel and I was like, I'm kind of waiting for some big things to happen. And like literally the next three episodes were just big, big things that were happening in the show. It's, it's look, the show is always excellent. It's always outstanding. It's an incredible show, but my, my complaint was that it felt like it was plotting, like plotting, not plotting. The problem was the plot that the plot was plotting. (laughs) This season, that it just wasn't really doing anything. It was comedy for comedy's sake, and that's fine because it's still very good. It's an unbelievably brilliant show with great performances, and it's so well written. Um, but the plot also picked up too, and it's it's been incredibly compelling for the last few episodes. That's on Thursdays, so isn't Fridays? Fridays, Fridays for Mrs. Maisel. Fridays on Amazon, and there was something else that I was like, oh, I finally watched the second episode of Winning Time. <laughs> Still in. Just outstanding. Outstanding television program. I actually like the second episode better than the first I don't know about better, but I I, I mean, it, they're both really, it's just a really yeah. good show. It's a really, really good show. All right. Uh, thanks today to uh, Drew Forrester. Thanks also to uh, Antoine White at Mount St. Mary's. Thanks to Charles Davis. Thanks to Mike Nolan. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. On the program tomorrow, I believe Mike Florio is going to join us. He's doing the rounds this week. Uh, as he's got a book that's out now. Jalen Gabadon is uh, a kid who was born in Baltimore and went to high school at Glenelg and is now one of the top players on Yale's basketball roster. They play Friday in the first round of the NCAA tournament. We're going to catch up with him. And um, I feel like there was something else, but I don't remember what. Oh, Stan the Fan's stopping by tomorrow. He's going to stop by the studio as well tomorrow during the show. So that and, of course, stuff and things. We are working on some uh, some significant things, but we're working on them. We'll see what happens. 
Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday evening. Go Towson, go Morgan, Duke sucks, Ohio State sucks too.